What's up, Shooters Pod Universe? My name is Nick Bacone, co-host of the Straight Shooters Podcast, along with Vaughn Johnson. This week, we're uploading classic Halloween Havoc deep dive episodes from the last two years because, well, the Phillies are in the playoffs and I can't concentrate. So we're going to upload our Halloween Havoc 1997 classic episode, our Halloween Havoc 1998 classic episode, our 1994 episode, and our 1995 episode all this week right here on the Shooter's Pod on all platforms. We'll be back at you next week with a deep dive into Halloween Havoc 1991, the Chamber of Horrors match. Can't wait to dive deep into that one. So enjoy this episode, classic Halloween Havoc deep dive, and we'll catch you the new episode next week, but all classic episodes this week. Oh, it's a new day. Yes, it is. I am Vaughn Johnson. You got me mad now. You know, you got a bicycle. Feeling good. Well, the st- skeptics and all the people have a little bit of... Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, pal. Sorry. We ride the bicycle in this arena. With my man, man, Pots and Pants, Nick Bacone. That's me. I don't know where the kid is that was riding it, but he ain't on it when they brought it to the ring. Tomorrow, I'll you can kick your face off. I'm down with that. Kick your face But I don't like it when things aren't going my way. Don't you dare be He don't know nothing else. <laughs> you know that wrestling, right, you know that wrestling boy. <laughs> Give me a hell yeah. I said give me a hell yeah. What is up ladies and gentlemen out there in the internet land and welcome to episode 255 of the Straight Shooters. My name is Vaughn Johnson, and I'm joined as always by my main man, Pots and Pants, Nick Bacona, Philly voice and Philly influencer, and we got yet another fantastic show ahead of us tonight. We're doing another deep dive. Last week, we did deep a deep dive on Halloween Havoc 1997. Well, it's only appropriate that we went to the next year, Halloween Havoc 1998, and it's even more appropriate because obviously we're in October, so that's why we're doing Halloween Havoc shows, but also of some great news that came out earlier this week. But before we dive into all of that, I got to do my birthday check-in with the birthday boy, Nick Bacone. Happy birthday, my good brother. I appreciate that. Thank you very much, Vaughn. Uh, I had a very, very great birthday dinner with uh, raviolis and meatballs and an ice cream cake to top it off. So, that, that, Fine Italian that, dining right there. There you go. And... Uh, Thank you to my sister who made it all happen. So appreciate that. And, uh, you know, it was a good day. It was a good day so far, and it's about to get even better. Well, there you go. A birthday podcast for the birthday boy. There we go. Talking about Halloween Havoc 1998. Tell the people, Nick, how does it feel to be 55 years old? Uh, 55? Uh, Oh. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Am I wrong about that? Am I uh, thirty-five? Inaccurate about that? Thirty-five. I, I could have oh, sw- sworn my, my you said. I mean, <laughs> it, it is two fifty-five. I don't know. Um, That's fair. We, it's it's weird, dude. It's weird. Like ten years ago, I thought I was old. So, uh, you know, fast forward ten years later, my life is completely different, and it's just weird. You know, I I had to go out this weekend and get a mattress topper for my mattress instead of getting a whole new mattress because my body's starting to ache when I wake up. 
I'm I'm 35, uh. man, and my body's starting to ache. I mean, it has to do with also, you know, my my dieting habits and not exercising. So that is part of it. But uh, at least I got that mattress topper, and uh, my uh, sleeping is never like I, I look forward to it again because there there was a period there where I was not. Uh, when it was time to sleep, I was not okay with that. <laughs> That's a very adult thing to do. Let's get yes. a mattress topper. Yes. <laughs> I had one before. I I wound up throwing it out uh, when I moved because I hadn't used it in a couple of years uh, just because I didn't feel like I needed to. And then it was kind of like hard to get up at times. But at this point, I was like, you know what? I got to go get another one. So I went and got another one. I even got the memory foam pillows to help with my... Uh, neck uh, neck you know positioning and whatnot so uh yeah that's that's how i ushered in my 35th year on this planet that's how you know you're an adult when you start talking about things you bought from like bed bath and beyond <laughs> yeah you know? exactly you know i got a new comforter this weekend man it's the bomb it's like <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> that 22 year old looking at you like yeah whatever i just bought a new pair of jays like, yeah right <laughs> no, they'll understand pillowcases though <laughs> They will understand. I just paid my rent, and it was dope. Yeah, man. That's where I'm at, so. Right. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. 35 years. That's nuts. 35 years. Let's hope for at least 35 more for young Nicholas Pocone. I I appreciate that. At least 35 more. At least. We got to get to some more good news, Nick, because we've been talking about it for weeks. Very good news. For years, probably. <laughs> and we kind of just, you know, it, we kind of called it, but it was obvious. I mean, they couldn't possibly not do this. And when NXT said, Triple H said, there's going to be some nostalgia coming to NXT in October. Nick and I were both like, well, since they brought back In Your House and they brought back Great American Bash, which again, no one asked for that one. <laughs> they got to bring back Halloween Havoc. And lo and behold, that is exactly what NXT is doing. NXT hitting all the right notes, all right? Well, except the Great American Bash. They could have left that one out. <laughs> but they know, they really, like, they know what the fans want. They know we've been clamoring for another, in, we're not really clamoring for In Your House, but we, we like the, the branding of that, right? Yeah. And they, But they know for sure we've been clamoring for Halloween Havoc. I'm sure when they brought back In Your House, all the comments are flooded and be like, yo, you're going to bring back Halloween Havoc too? I mean, why not? I mean, it's Halloween Havoc. Let's do that. I we may, were. I may or may not have been one of them. Oh yeah, I'm saying we were among those people. Oh yeah, yeah. And yes, it is official. October 28th, Halloween Havoc returns to NXT. It's not going to be a pay per view, which is fine. You know, it's better than uh, Starcade being an untelevised mm-hmm. show in Charlotte at the end of the year. At least it's going to be televised. It's going to be a special edition of NXT. Uh, I hope they have the whole stage set up. Uh, we're going to talk about Halloween Havoc's stage from 1998, which is the best in yeah. WCW history, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, uh, they should have this exact one <laughs> <laughs> at at uh, the Performance Center, or they're calling the Capital Wrestling Center now. Yeah, they yeah. should have something like this there: the pumpkin, the gargoyle, even if it's all a- that stuff. Even if it's a miniaturized version, because you know they're they only have enough space to deal with, uh, definitely that whole setup. That whole setup, I need I need to see it. 
because I will be very disappointed if we don't. And I'm not one to really overstate something. I I think I'm honest on this podcast as I I honestly can be, but I will also tell you learning that Halloween Havoc was coming back during TakeOver was probably the best moment of my life. Whoa. (laughs) All right. Let's not get carried away here. I must say, it's pretty dope, <laughs> but I don't know if it's the best moment of my life. <laughs> the best moment of my life well, was your this daughter, past Sunday. Yeah. Uh, you have a daughter, <laughs> of course. Your your life would be a lot different than mine. But <laughs> That too, but the win this past Sunday was pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was um, good. That was good. That was, that was real good. But uh, no, all kidding aside, no, we're both obviously very ecstatic. Yeah. To I, I texted this. you right away. I was like, yes. fat, you know? <laughs> yes, it was fantastic. I'm so glad you did because you know, like I said, we've been talking about it for weeks on here. Like all you guys out there know who've been listening for, I don't know, since 2015. Know we've been talking about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and for I will five say, years. and I will say, I don't think they could have done a better job in, with the logo. In, oh, the logo's fantastic! Inside the moon, the old school Halloween Havoc logo with NXT on the top. Then you have the oh, moon, man. and then Shotzi Blackheart, like a almost yeah, like I a wolf, like howling. What's, what's the point of her hosting it? What's, what's that? What's that? Deal? I, I, what's, I think what's that it, all about. I'm sure they have a plan in place. Uh, I think it's kind of cool to, you know, m- maybe she's that type of character that'll, you know, be highlighted from something like Halloween Havoc. Uh, maybe that's what they want to do, or something like that. The the font that they use for the October and like everything, oh, it's just fantastic. They can, like, if they do this next year, they will not be able to top this. They they have to use this every single year now. This exact logo. Are they trying to make Shotzi Blackheart like an Elvira type of person? She hosts oh, the. Uh... I don't know, but it was badass. And her and the logo on that rock or mountain or whatever. This is fantastic. I love it. Everything about it, I love it. All right, well, so it can we'll only go down from that, here. But... <laughs> <laughs> right. We'll see about the whole Shotzi Blackheart thing. But, yeah, I'm, I'm here for it. It's going to be dope. And we are, because uh, we got a whole month laid out here in October. We came prepared for October, all right, yeah. just so y'all know. Uh, next week's show, it's funny. I don't know what we're going to talk about next week. Um, but <laughs> uh, the 21st, though, give y'all a heads up. We're going to do a bracket, a bracket-style show. It's going to be we have some guests on the show. It's going to be the best Hell in a Cell matches of all time bracket. So I created this bracket. I think it's 16 matches. I didn't use all 40 whatever matches have been in Hell in a Cell history. I whittled it down to the best 16. Uh, so no Shane McMahon and Vince McMahon and Big Show versus DX is not going to be on this bracket. <laughs> um, but the best 16, we're going to decide a winner. For the best Hell in a Cell match of all time. Kind of like what we did a couple of years ago with the best WrestleMania of all time bracket. Which was a very fun episode. Yeah. Uh, so go back in the archives and listen to that. It was very early on in our uh, run yeah, uh, podcast like run. year two or something like that. I don't even know if it was. Yeah, you might, I think it might have been early 2016. I think you're right about yeah. that. Because, yeah, we started in mid-2015. Um, But we're going to do that again. Uh, also, the next week, of course, is Halloween Havoc from NXT, and we're thinking about we're trying to line it up, but we're going to live commentate. The plan is to live commentate Halloween Havoc on October 28th. So, obviously, you're not going to be able to watch it with us as it's being recorded, but let's say you want to watch it back. Let's say you missed it or whatever, want to watch it back, you can watch it with us. 
after the fact. Yeah, so we'll react live to, you know, the hopefully the stage being awesome. <laughs> the yeah, setup. yeah. So we're gonna have some people on. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, so you join, you know, check it out. Twenty first Hell in a Cell bracket, twenty eighth Halloween Havoc NXT Halloween Havoc, uh, live commentary. So that should be a lot of fun. But on this show, we're gonna have a lot more fun because we're talking about more Halloween Havoc. <laughs> From 1998, Nick, where were you in 1998, and did you watch Halloween Havoc when it happened? I absolutely did. I I was one of the ones that were sold on the Hogan Warrior rematch. You know, I was I was about you know I had just turned 13, so obviously a year after Halloween Havoc '97, where we talked about a deep dive format last week uh you know a year later you know wwf's on the rise they're they're pretty much uh at the top with wcw if not a, a few steps forward we had just seen breakdown in your house in september and then this was judgment day uh, wwf's judgment day uh in october where they did not crown a new champion between undertaker and kane so i was kind of like a little pissed off that there wasn't a WWF champion for that long. Uh, I didn't realize, you know, even as a fan, even as a 13-year-old, I, I knew what was going on in wrestling. But at the same time, the road to WrestleMania was something that didn't really exist to me. For me, the road to WrestleMania started, you know, a month in advance uh, or at the Royal Rumble or something like that. But them taking the title off Stone Cold Steve Austin in September was, you know, basically the beginning of the road to WrestleMania. So... You know, back then I wasn't really with that, so I was kind of pissed, and I was like, "Man, I hope Halloween Havoc kicks ass, because you know maybe it'll make WWF put the title back on Austin at Survivor Series or something like that." So that was my thought process going into this, knowing that at this point WCW was really gotten corny, and I wasn't enjoying watching it every week. Um, I just kind of watched the main stuff. The NWO fizzled out. The Wolfpack versus Black and White Hollywood like fizzled out. Uh, th- th- there just wasn't much that I gravitated to towards like this era of WCW. So when the Warrior came back, I was kind of into it. Um, it wasn't what I expected. I I thought it was kind of corny, but at the same time as like Halloween Havoc, Hogan versus Warrior, that's when the good stuff will happen. So. The joke was on me, but uh, <laughs> right, <laughs> and uh, I was kind of like, I was like, why is Goldberg going against DDP? That's a dumb match. Why would I want to see that? You know, I wanted, I was in the mindset of I wanted to see like grudge matches throughout the card. You know, uh, uh, seeing a match where somebody doesn't hate the other person didn't make sense to me. I want to see Goldberg point. versus the Warrior, yeah, or something like that. You know, like, <laughs> um, so yeah, th- like going into it. I was kind of like iffy, but like I was excited. I was like, this is the event that's WCW will get back on track. And then, you know, I'll be more into it. But uh, as we'll, we'll dive into, that wasn't exactly the case for me oh, no. personally. And I was going to say, before we get into this show, uh, this, the show, the contrast between 1997 and 1998 couldn't be more night and day. Because 97, there was some juice and there was a. Uh, energy in the crowd and it just felt like there was like a buzz around WCW at that point and rightfully so you had the Sting storyline at the NWO storyline which was still really good at that point they had to splinter it off into 
the red and black just yet. Yeah. Vincent, I don't I don't know if Vincent was there yet or Stevie Ray, all those other guys. You know, uh you hadn't had just terrible, terrible stories just yet that didn't make any sense. And then fast forward to ninety eight where you did have the 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 just the muddy waters of the NWO. You had terrible storylines, stuff that just didn't make sense. And then you had Hogan and Warrior, which is just another level of just what the hell is happening here in WCW. Like the it's like the reverse of ninety seven. The, the the undercard was actually wasn't the undercard was pretty good in ninety seven. The main event was trash. Ninety eight, everything was trash, but the, pretty much <laughs> but the main event. Yeah, like, and at it's this so point, wild. I was also you know like I understand the thought process. The world title goes on last. But for this, I was kind of like, why isn't Hogan Warrior main eventing this? Like, well, why not put the title before <laughs> that? You know, and that was kind of where I was at. Well, there's. <laughs> I mean, it's, it should have went good on thing. last. It's a good thing. No, it's a it bad happened. thing it didn't go on last. It should have went on last because this show is also infamous <laughs> for the pay per view systems. Oh, uh, well, true. Yeah. Cutting I'll, off the feed. I'm glad you brought that up because I did make note of it. But, uh,. I was one of those that got that it got cut off in the middle of the Hogan Warrior match, and I'm sitting here taping that, and it, I don't think it even hit eleven o'clock yet. It went off a couple minutes early, so so you lost it during Hogan Warrior. I yeah. thought it went off during DDP Goldberg. Yeah, I lost it at the end of Hogan Warrior. It was like right after the Warrior came off the middle rope with like an axe handle to Hogan. Uh, I think he did that twice, and it was like either the first or second time because I have the tape, and I don't think I've taped over it with uh, the replay they showed on Nitro the, the following night, uh, but I don't remember for sure. Uh, what I do remember is my mom calling the cable company and being like, what the hell's going on? Because I think she thought, you know, she, I mean, she was pissed to begin with because she had just spent that money and, you know, the pay-per-view wasn't over, but for me, I kind of felt guilty. It's like, oh man, like I just cost my mom money. Like I, I was that kid where... You know, my mom did something nice for me. She ordered Halloween Havoc, you know, maybe like a birthday present. And, you know, this happens. And then she has to deal with the stress of the pay-per-view going out and, like, me taping it. And I just felt bad about it. But, uh, yeah, looking back, I was I'm pissed. Like, I'm pissed. And a lot of other people were, too, to the point that uh, WCW, because the main event didn't air at all for a lot of people. Nope. They totally missed the main event. I guess you didn't even get to see the end of the Hogan Warrior match, which no, I guess I not. wasn't a terrible thing at the end of the day. <laughs> right, but yeah, <laughs> yeah but they, a it, lot of people missed that main event, which was actually really dope. But WCW, because so many people missed out on it, they had to air it again. I think the next night on Nitro for free, right? They did. They did. Yep. So that what a and disaster that made even that more was. more people pissed because it's like, well, I paid for it. And now right. you're showing the main event for free. Like, give us a refund. <laughs> like, it was right. just all sorts of bad for WCW. Yeah, that, that was a, a you you know what show. But <laughs> here's the thing: you can blame the pay per view companies, but it's not the pay per view companies' fault at all because they had a hard out. It was like three hours. You get out. WCW just went, ran way over, yeah. like a good fifteen minutes over at least. Yep. And then when you watch the show, you see why they ran over. It's like that was <laughs> W did this to yourself. You had multiple unadvertised matches. Why? You had how many appearances from the Nitro Girls? Like five. Yeah. yeah. Why? You had multiple talking segments in the arena, like quick backstage ones 
where guys talking about the matches getting ready to have. Yeah. That's normal. I'll accept that. No, we had to have Gene Oakland and the guy come out with his entrance and talk and talk and talk. Uh, the, the show started with a promo. Then you had Hogan with a promo. Like, wh- what the hell? What's going on here? So, yeah. WCW did it to itself. No wonder the show ran over. I said that multiple times in my notes. No wonder the show ran over because <laughs> they just had multiple segments of stuff that just, like, didn't need to happen. It's just like, get out. Like, you got, you're on pay-per-view. You got a hard out three hours. You added, already added matches. That means you got to cut something else out. Like, you got, something's got to go. Like, they, they, this is just a disaster. We had two. The, the main event. A dis- good main event could have potentially salvaged it, and no one even right. got to see it. Right. And we had two Disco Inferno matches. For what? <laughs> well, for, for who? <laughs> for what? Like, That's true, too. Why didn't he could have just had the number one contenders match on Nitro and right. do the, the championship match on Thunder. Halloween Havoc? Like, like, uh, Thunder was here at, at this point, so... Right. You don't you want... Know. Saturday night, hell. What, what, like, <laughs> something. Yeah. Why did yeah. they have the two Cruiserweight matches on the show? Like, it's just like, y'all did yourselves in on this. Y'all just... Tried to pack 10 pounds of poop into a five-pound bag, and it cost WCW dearly. Uh, but let's get into it. Uh, they had the intro, which was a very dramatic video. With the top of the video, the first thing you see is Hogan and Warrior. It's not technically the main event, but this is obviously the biggest name is involved in the show. Uh, I wrote down that the, the intro to the WrestleMania six match much better than this. <laughs> Even though it was Vince McMahon going, look at the stars and the constellations. Yeah, and right, man. You see the Hogans and the Warriors and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that was really stupid. But yeah. it was, it's kind of like WWF knew what it was and they went into it with WCW. This was just, it just felt wrong. It just yeah. felt like it shouldn't have happened yeah. now. And I totally forgot, uh, you know, they highlighted the disciple, I guess, turning on Hogan, turning around with an OWN jacket. They did a whole OWN thing with, with this. And, and it just reminded me of like, oh my goodness. Oh, almost everything about Warrior coming in was terrible. Because <laughs> like, not, it's not NWO, it's OWN. So. Yeah. Yep. One Warrior <laughs> Nation. Whoa, one Warrior mm. Nation. That doesn't make any sense, by the way. And you know what's funny? I thought this was the last appearance for the Warrior in WCW, but it turns out it wasn't. He still made a few appearances after this. Oh, boy. Him so. and the One Warrior Nation. How the hell is it a One Warrior Nation? With two people. <laughs> but it's a one it's one warrior. <laughs> but it's a nation. What? <sighs> That's terrible. Um, The first thing I wrote down, obviously we get to the pyro and everything, and the first thing I put was at the stage for Halloween Havoc in 1998 <laughs> was so goddamn dope. I don't know why. I just thought it was awesome with the big pumpkin yep. and the gargoyle holding the pumpkin and it's like bouncing back and forth yep. and the smoke coming out of the gargoyle's nose. Like, this is awesome. Like, where is this yeah. type of design and just fun creativity type stuff in, in wrestling today? Like, you don't see it. You see a lot yep. of LED boards and lights but where is the, the the theme? Like the the just like there's a feel, there's a motif to it, and it just felt cool. And I know it was maybe it's a little nostalgic of me, but damn, it was just fun. It just felt fun and it felt cool. No, you need every show, every pay per view to have its own feel, and that's the biggest thing that I've ever agreed with Eric Bischoff on. That he says like he he wanted each pay per view to have a unique feel. So Halloween Havoc was probably the best for that in, in WCW and. 
Then you have like the I don't I don't know what you call it, but like the small houses or whatever, the pillars uh, on either side with the video boards, and then the tombstones in front of it, and yeah. you know with people coming around with the inflatable thing, like with all the smoke, like it's it just looks so cool. And it was awesome. It might, might be the best that they've ever done. And what made it me was. laugh. What made me laugh is this was not a Slim Jim's Halloween Havoc. This is Snickers. Snickers. Right. Right one, but yeah, uh, this was easily the best stage WCW had ever did. Uh, the Starcade ones, even though there's supposed to be the bigger event, the Starcade one was just was pretty basic, honestly. But the Halloween Havoc, they put thought into that one. They did, like they really did, and it was it was really dope. I really I really appreciated it. It was great. Um, on the call, uh, by the way, we got we're back at the MGM Grand in, in Las Vegas. We talked extensively about uh, the prestige of that venue last week for the halloween havoc 97 show obviously great historic fight venue but on the call we got tony shivani bobby heenan mike tenay and no dusty because dusty is a part of the wolf pack right <laughs> like, yeah yeah it's like what in the hell so first thing i wrote i already miss dusty we're like two <laughs> seconds in and i already miss him man he definitely had a, a way about him and that was one of the first things i noticed too i was like oh no dusty Right, but, uh, so this this show's already yeah. a step down from last year because there's no Dusty. Yep. I did so, laugh, though, when uh, Bobby Heenan put that mask on. I, then, <laughs> like, it was I, so stupid, but so funny. I just wrote it down. It's like, he cussed out Hogan. Like, he, <laughs> he did. just straight up cussed his man's name and then put down his headset and put this gold mask on for what? <laughs> Why? It didn't even look like a Halloween mask. It was just like, it was like a masquerade <laughs> yeah, type of like mask. A, it, that's what it was, like a masquerade thing. And then he tried to scare Tony, and Tony just stares at him and then flings it back in his face. Like, I mean, at least it started off with a laugh for me. That was that was silly. That was silly. <laughs> All right, so we start off the show, not with a match, but with the Nitro Girls. All right, here we go. Nitro Girls, starting off the show. Okay, I'm not, this is not bad. I mean, I'd rather start off with a match, but I get it. It's kind of the pop, part of the pomp and circumstance, you know. You start off football games with the cheerleaders, start off basketball games with the dance team. Okay, let's start off, you know, Halloween Havoc with the Nitro Girls. And they made it seem like the, it was a special occasion because the Nitro Girls were on Halloween Havoc, which I guess they weren't showing up on pay-per-views that much at this point. I, honestly, I don't remember in 98, but, uh, like, I, I couldn't remember Fall Brawl or even, well, I'm sure they weren't at Road Wild, but... Uh, you know, I don't know. This might be the first one. They were Halloween Havoc girls on this night, <laughs> not just Nitro girls. Uh, I wrote down here, <laughs> we're five minutes into the show, and there's not one wrestler in the ring yet. We got <laughs> The Nitro girls are getting more ring time than the wrestlers. I mean, didn't we start it off with a promo? <laughs> like, yeah. like, it's a TV show. Not, like, not in the ring, though. Nitro? Not even in the ring. <laughs> No, not in the ring, which I would... Look, I'd rather them not be in the ring. Like, don't do your promos. I don't need in-ring right, promos right. on a pay-per-view. Do that But that would also uh, elongate the time frame of a wrestler not being in the ring, technically. That's fair, but don't start off your show with a promo. How about that? <laughs> get that's your a, Nitro girls out there. Good, that's do, a good start. Have them do their thing, and then let's get a match in the ring. No, we get a promo <laughs> from... Uh, was it Rick Steiner? Yep. Right? It's the hound and the pound, and he's, he's going to get down. He's a rapper now. He got bars. That's what he said. Um, <laughs> I wrote it down. I wrote it down. <laughs> <laughs> he got bars. I wrote down. I forgot that. I don't know if you knew this. That Rick Steiner 
he he's a dog faced gremlin in wrestling. But these days, he is a school board member in District Four in Cherokee J- County, Georgia. Yeah. It is an elected position. So he ran an election. The first time he ran an election, he got disqualified apparently because he tried to use Steiner <laughs> as his name. <laughs> but that's not his that's not his real name. <laughs> so they disqualified him, but eventually he ran and ran unopposed and got the position, and he's still there in that spot to this day in Cherokee County, Georgia. But on this night, he's a dog-faced gremlin, and he is being, uh, I guess, courted, so to speak, by one Buff Bagwell, who came out wearing the dopest FUBU shirt in history. That's, that's, in, the, that's in the FUBU shirt Hall of Fame, the one that Buff Bagwell had on, if there is such a thing. I will take your word for it. I did not notice. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot you never even had a stitch of FUBU clothing. <laughs> not one thread of FUBU clothing, which is wild to me. I feel like every kid in America had at least one generic FUBU shirt, even if it wasn't really FUBU. It was like from a, a knockoff from like some <laughs> local beauty store in your neighborhood that had like knockoff FUBU shirts. <laughs> I don't you know. Just, maybe, uh, maybe I do. FB but... on it. And it's like FUBU. All right, let's go. <laughs> Yeah, not not entirely sure. Oh man, killing me here. But just know <laughs> that the Buff Bagwell one is in the Fubu Shirt Hall of Fame. Just know that. Take my word for that. <laughs> um, but he asked Rick Steiner if he could be in Rick Steiner's corner for his match against Scott Steiner, because the Steiner brothers are supposed to have a match, brother versus brother. And Buff Bagwell came out like, "Hey man, I'm with you. I want to be in your corner." And I wrote down clearly, "This is a setup." How did Rick Steiner fall for this? Why would you trust Buff Bagwell in any form or fashion? Why? Because he said that he wanted to beat up Scott, and I think that was uh, enough for Rick. I wrote down, Rick's dumbass says okay. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly he was a dumbass. There's, here's another instance of Boo Boo the Fool right here. <laughs> we saw it during the Lex Express episode. <laughs> but this is what makes you Boo Boo the Fool when you fall for stupid stuff like this. Rick Stein on this night with the Boo Boo the Fool, but dude, Buff, um, and Buff was going all in on the Wolf Wolf. It, it was too much. Yeah, it was he was—he's doing the run around. He's he running was. around. Like, <laughs> it's like he's making fun of you, Rick. Come on, <laughs> right? I will say though, Rick Steiner was low key over. Like people was into Rick Steiner and in the in yeah. the bark and the whole the whole nine. I mean, people forget how over Rick Steiner was. Yeah, that is true, especially on this night, as we'll see later. Yeah, we'll talk about it. We'll get into it. But finally, we get a match that's about to happen. Okay. We get music for a match, at least. We get Raven's <laughs> WWF music. Because WCW's music, I guess, isn't copyrighted or whatever by WWE. Yeah. So he comes out to the ring, and he was apparently on a losing streak. So what do they do? Give him a TV title match. Course. That's what you w- do. When you lose a lot, you get a TV title match. WCW 98. WWE yep. in 2020. <laughs> uh, out comes Chris Jericho at some point, also with his WWF music. <laughs> Makes sense. Yep. Uh, but before, I think the, before the bell even rang, Raven cuts a promo complaining, What about Raven? You know, I wasn't told about this match ahead of time. Everybody's working against me. Blah, blah, blah. He attempts to walk out. Jericho gets in the ring, he gets on the microphone, he talks trash about Raven, Raven takes offense, he runs to the ring, and the bell rings for the match, and I wrote down, 
that the bell didn't ring for the first match until 12 minutes and 52 seconds into the show. <laughs> and you wonder why the show ran over. This was also the year that they went, the Nitro was three hours, and they went the whole first hour without a match. Like, they were doing matches for the live crowd, but they weren't airing matches. They were airing a bunch of promo packages and stuff like that, and vignettes. So... This was WCW, man. This was WCW. I don't That's know what they. Yeah, maybe they thought, oh, let's try. We got to try something different, but not different like that. <laughs> I still want to see wrestling, bro. This yeah. is a wrestling show, exactly, and a pay per view to boot. I remember being at a Raw in 2010. This was when Raw was still two hours, by the way, and they had a couple talking segments, and people were like, "I want to see wrestling." Like, there's probably like two talking segments, <laughs> like into the show. And people were complaining on a two-hour show. Only imagine what those people would feel like today on a three-hour show. Oh, man. But, like, two hours, and people, even in 2010, it was like, yo, I want to see wrestling. Where is the action? Like, the, the promos I get, the promos are for the people at home. I get that. You got to tell the stories. But the people in the building, they still want to see some action. I understand they probably also, you know, like you said, they aired, they had matches for the live crowd. But if I'm watching a wrestling show at home, I still want to see some action too. I don't know. I'm not here yeah. to watch just a soap opera. Right. I want to see some matches. But here we are, twelve almost thirteen minutes into the show. It's when the bell finally rang for the first match. But the thing is, like four different things happened before. There wasn't like one long yeah. segment even. Yeah. It was Nitro Girls. It was you know, it numbered. was Rick Steiner, Buff Bagwell, yeah. and then Ravens promo, and then Jericho's promo, and then the match. <laughs> I numbered everything. Oh, and, and their entrances too. My bad. Yeah, there you go. I numbered everything. This is number four on my Chris Jericho versus Raven. It's number four. <laughs> number four. On I, I didn't, I didn't necessarily. Happened? I didn't necessarily number segments. I just kind of broke them down and, uh, you know, broke broke them up. So oh, I got this you. is like the oh, fourth you. thing that happened on the pay per view. Right. Jericho and Raven. <laughs> that's my point. It's like that should be the first thing. Yep. Let's get them out there right away. Uh, but the match itself wasn't much to write home about. I mean, I know if you had any notes about it. Um, uh, I, I left. Jericho got the lion tamer on Raven. Uh, Raven got to the ropes eventually. And Heenan, Bobby Heenan says, that's the longest six inches of his life. And it, immature Nick just left. Wow. Yeah. Bobby Heenan. Heenan had, Heenan had a couple of one-liners on the show that he made did. me go, wow. Really? Yeah. Jericho the one he said during the uh, flow. I don't. The one he said during the Hoover to Guerrero's entrance was like, "Wow, Bobby, come on, baby, you better than this." Right, did I? Let's see. Did I say anything about that? I didn't take notes about it, but I remember him saying something terrible about Mexican people. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah, Bobby. That was rough. But uh, excuse me. Um. Eventually, Canyon comes to the ring, tries to help Raven. Doesn't work. Yeah. Jericho gets him in the line tamer. Raven quickly taps out, and the announcers are all like, "Well, Raven just wants to quit. You know, he's just he's just quitting, I guess." So like, yeah, or he was just in pain. Tam- the line tamer doesn't hurt like hell, right? Let's, see, <laughs> the let, line let, let's have Jericho put it on you guys. See what you say, right? Mike Tanay, <laughs> you're a professor, but that don't mean you're a wrestler. That's two different things. There you go. Okay, in case you didn't know. Uh, after this match, all right, we'll get the ball rolling. We got a match. Let's get another match in the ring, right? No, Wrong. No, 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 no. <laughs> Wrong. Let's get another promo in the arena. 
This time from Hulk Hogan. This couldn't happen backstage, apparently. This had to happen in front of the crowd. Yep. Hogan comes out looking as tan as I think I've ever seen this man in my life. <laughs> I think if he was more tan, he would have been black. <laughs> and I'm not sure he would have liked that. I think he went just to the edge. And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, brother, take it easy. I don't want to be, you know, one of those dark people, you know. I just want to be dark, that's all. Take it easy, brother. Oh, man. I don't want to be black. Come on. Um, <laughs> Eric, Eric Bischoff couldn't be more white. <laughs> he was like <laughs> the palest I've ever seen him, pretty much. But apparently yeah. this was the first time he had short hair because uh, the announcers remarked that Bischoff had a new look or whatever. So, Yeah, the bus cut. Yeah. I didn't like this bus cut. I like, I like Bischoff with the – I mean, yeah. he, he got the bus cut now. He's fine with it, but back then I feel like he yeah he had a good hair with the with the longer cut a yeah. little bit, you know. Yeah, once That's you, the have, you I know. gotta flaunt that fuller, thicker hair. Like oh, yeah, why you like, got it? Like I'm doing it right now. There you go. Do it while you got it. That's right. You know what I'm saying? But um, Hogan talks about beating up his nephew Horace, you know, uh, and talked about what if I did that to my nephew? Imagine what I'm gonna do to the warrior. Yada yada yada. Um. <laughs> Then they talked about the gargoyle, and Heenan was like, "Oh yeah, I met the gargoyle an hour, an hour ago. I had a conversation with it." And it's like, "I don't, I don't know what this was. I don't know what that was supposed to be." Um, was that supposed to be funny? Was this after the promo or during Hogan? I think promo? it was after because I wrote it down after the promo. <laughs> I missed that one. <laughs> it it <clears throat> honestly it doesn't matter. It was just Bobby Heenan just being weird. Yeah, it was a throwaway moment that for some reason I didn't throw away. I kept. <laughs> <laughs> and it was dumb. Um, we move on to another match. Um, Ming versus Wrath. Wrath, of course, was played by Brian Clark, who, of course, was also Adam Bomb in WWE. Remember Adam Bomb? Of course I do. I thought he was the originator of the Adam Bomb. Well, there you go. <laughs> I did not know it was spelled A T O M. So uh, when I first saw Atom Mom, I was like, they spelled him wrong. It's A D A M. This is like, you, you know. You watch too much wrestling, boy. <laughs> I'm telling you, Atom Mom is That's, one of the things that I learned from wrestling. <laughs> you raised your hand in the class and was like, uh, ma'am, uh, uh, sir, uh, Adam is spelled wrong. It's A D A M. You know, the wrestler, like WWF, he fought Macho Man at WrestleMania 10 and, like, shut the hell up, Nick. <laughs> Stop watching wrestling all the time. Oh, man. And it happened quite a bit. <laughs> so, <laughs> I wrote AKA Haku versus Adam Bomb. So, that's <laughs> <fine>. <laughs> oh, my God. Remember when Wrath and Mortis were like Mortal Kombat characters to fight against another Mortal yeah. Kombat character in Glacier? Absolutely. What the hell, WCW? Uh, in, in the, in the, in the heyday of the NWO storyline, too. So it's kind of like, on one hand, what? you got this, and on the other hand, you got that. I guess it's like Baskin-Robbins. You got to have 31 flavors, something for everybody. This wasn't for anybody, though. That wasn't for anybody. It's just funny, because like I said, 97 Halloween Havoc looked like WCW had to stuff together. Was it perfect? No. But it seemed like it had a direction. It seemed like it had a focus. You know, they were, like at Halloween Havoc, they were starting stories that led into Starcade, you know, it was, it was dope. And it just, it just, everything made sense. I could like, you know what? I can connect these dots here 
and it made me want to watch Starcade. Watching yep. the show did not make me want to watch Starcade '98. <laughs> like, like yeah. it was just like, what what's going on? Why do we have Ming and Wrath on Halloween Havoc right now? Yeah, I don't even know, and I don't even think they really did promo packages for these matches until Scott Hall, Kevin Nash. So we're, we're like a ways away, and it was just kind of like match after match of just commentators kind of saying, yeah, these guys are going to fight. You know, there was no issue really between, you know, some of these wrestlers and matches. So, you know, Megan Rath, it wasn't even like face versus heel. It was just like something versus something because half the crowd cheered for each of them, half the crowd booed for each of them. So we didn't even know what the hell was going on. Monster versus monster. That's what this was. Uh, yeah, I guess. I guess. <sighs> and we, Scott Dickinson, man, one of the one of the bad refs. He doesn't even. Did, he he rings the bell after Meng hits Wrath, preventing him from getting in the ring. So he doesn't even let Wrath get in the ring before calling for the bell. What kind of refereeing is that? This is WCW, man. We're going to get into worse refereeing later on in the show. Okay. Well, okay? That, I mean, I, we definitely will. But uh, it's a little thing like that that I'm just like, and I know what happens a lot. But for some reason, it stood out to me on this night watching this show. Um, you're, it's like lazy stuff where it's just like, oh, Meng's going to beat him up before you know he even gets into the ring. Let's just call for the bell. Like that type of stuff. That's stuff that WCW didn't let happen. You know, during it, when it was on top, you know, like because everything made sense in, in terms of story, in terms of the sports presentation, the referees, everything made sense. Not on this night. For whatever reason, for a variety of reasons, I should say, WCW lost its way. You could see it on this night. They lost their yes. way at some point in 98. In 97, they had their way. In 98, sometime they, I don't know, we could pinpoint it to, you can blame whatever you want. Whether it's, <clears throat> excuse me, the booking or, you know, whoever was in charge at that point or the politics, at some point they lost their way. Uh, one point, though, they mentioned that there was a bunch of baseball players in attendance, including a pair of guys from the Oakland Athletics. Because the World Series is either going on or was about to be over at that point. That was the Padres-Yankees World Series in 1998. Uh, and the Padres are still in the National League, right? Am I right about that? Yeah. Yeah, 98, okay, yeah, and they're still in the National League today. I'm thinking like they switched yep. leagues for some reason. The Astros yeah, switched the Astros, leagues, not yeah. the Padres. Um, but the, the Astros cheated in both the National League and the American League. Uh, <laughs> I don't recall them cheating in the National League. Or I'm, sure or, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm I just sure. <laughs> <laughs> we could talk about it off air. That was me. That was me uh, taking a shot. Okay, I don't know what happened with them in the National League. I know there's some discrepancies in the American League a couple years mm-hmm. ago, but that's all I know. Uh, but we might get another Yankees-Padres World Series in 2020. How about that? Right, we might. It's possible. I think the Padres won tonight, too, by the way, as we record this. Good for that. The Yankees are, right, are losing right now, but Ooh. it is game three, so it's a best oh, of the, five. The Athletics, the A's won tonight. Yes. yes. How about that? We're talking about the Astros and the A's. And there you go. They're playing. They played today. But those Athletics that were there were Jason Giambi, Ooh. who, of course, is the brother of Philly's great Jeremy Giambi. <laughs> and Matt Stairs, who actually uh, is like a memorable Philly. He, he yeah, he's never gonna pay for another beer, another cheesesteak in his life in Philly. Because he hit that home run into oh the night during the NLCS. Crazy. You want to know what's funny? 
I didn't, that? I didn't see that. You didn't see the home run? The home run. I was so angry that the Phillies were losing that I turned the game off. Wow. And the NLCS? I did. On the Cha- NLCS? I changed the channel. Nick, I this was, was like I know. 12 years ago, so you I might have know. been a little more in an emotional state back then. I'll give you, I'll give you it was uh, some one of the worst. For that. It, you know, I, I stated earlier that Halloween Havoc announcement on Sunday was the best moment of my life. <laughs> Not seeing this Matt Stairs home run was the worst moment, bro. But you, I gotta pull your card on this one. You can't turn the game off in the middle of the NLCS when it's a baseball game. We're not running out of time necessarily. <laughs> like, you have what ever, was the score? It wasn't. You, a, it wasn't like a, no, a massive no. lead. So they were only down by two, I think. But oh, give me a break, <laughs> Nick! Come on, uh, baby. So here's my thought process. I'm like the lineups looking like crap. They had lost game three, and. You know, it looks like they're going to lose game four, so the series is going to be tied 2-2 because the Phillies are up 2-1 to right now. And, you know, the, I've been watching every single game of the season, and when the lineup is bad, it is bad. Um, but when it's good, it, there's no lineup that was better in 2008. So they were looking really, really bad, and I'm like, ah, there's no way they're going to win this. So I turned it off. It's probably a Thursday night. Probably turned on The Office or something. And (laughs) (laughs) I get a text uh, from my girlfriend at the time, and she says, Shane! And, uh, you know, I with like an exclamation point. So I turn it back, and I see that Shane Victorino tied the game with a home run. Okay. Maybe if I change the channel again, something good will happen. (laughs) Superstition. (laughs) It's like, I can't watch the game now, because good stuff happens when I don't watch the game. So I, I... Switched it back, and I, I told my girlfriend this, and then, you know, minutes later, Matt Stairs hits the home run, and she all she does is text me back one exclamation point. So I turn, and I see Stairs rounding the bases, about to come home. I was like, oh, my God. Like, I missed it live. But thankfully, I was DVRing it so I could rewind it and watch it. But hey, that live miss- moment, I, I, I missed it. because Like, I didn't have a natural reaction to it because I missed it live. And you miss Joe Buck's fantastic call, bro. Yeah, it was good. I don't, Into I don't care. The night. I don't care what people say about Joe Buck. I love uh, a lot of the calls he makes, and uh, Joe that Buck was one dope. of them. That was one of them. Joe Buck is dope. Pro Football yeah. Hall of Famer Joe Buck. Now there you go How about that. Yep. But uh, Matt Stairs showed up at Wing Bowl one year. Yeah, he did. Uh, which we get. If you want to know about Wing Bowl for international listeners or listeners who aren't from Philly, head over to our Patreon, patreoncom radio. We did a whole deep dive on the wing bowl with a with the good brother Tommy Rowan uh, about a month or so ago. So go check that out. Uh, but Matt Stair showed up at wing bowl one year and came out to Steve Austin's theme music. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> that was <laughs> so, great. That was great. There is a wrestling tie. We tied it all back to wrestling somehow, <laughs> despite our little tangent on uh, baseball, especially specifically the nineteen ninety nineteen the two thousand eight Phillies. Ten years yeah. after Halloween Havoc nineteen ninety eight. There you go. It's probably around the same time. <laughs> everything wild. is intertwined. <laughs> it all is. It really is. But that's how much we didn't care about this match because we'd rather talk about Matt Stairs <laughs> and his epic home run in, in the NLCS in 2008. Amazing. Um, as opposed to Wrath beating Ming with the <laughs> meltdown. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, that happened. Yeah. 
Uh, then we cut to Kidman being on the internet show with Lee Marshall, which I didn't know that stage is like out in the arena. I didn't either. I didn't realize that until DDP's entrance. <laughs> yeah. I said the same thing. I made note of that. I was like, I, I don't even, I think the, I don't remember if the announcers even said, let's go backstage or whatever, but, you know, we're so used to it being quote unquote backstage that, you know, I just thought this was backstage somewhere. Maybe it, it was never backstage and yeah, we maybe. just thought it was. Maybe. <laughs> just assumed it was. But maybe. It was right out in the arena. Uh, but we get to the number one contenders match for the Cruiserweight Championship. Again, this match should have happened on a Nitro or a Thunder leading up to this. But here we are. Disco Inferno versus Juventud Guerrera. Juventud is maskless. WCW, y'all did <laughs> made the wrong decision there with many other luchadors as well. But... um. This was a decent match. I mean, yeah. Disco did a big swing. He made himself really dizzy and fell right into Juventude's uh, genitalia. <laughs> that was kind of funny. Uh, um, it was pretty short, and Disco Inferno won. Uh, but that was pretty much he it. Did, uh, I remember after Disco fell and Hoovy uh, was trying to recover. The referee asked Hoovy if he's okay, and Tony Schiavone on commentary goes, "No, he's not okay." <laughs> like, <laughs> And, uh, Call the match off right now. <laughs> yeah. And the funniest part of this for me was during Disco's entrance. You know, everyone does the disco dance and, and whatever. Uh, there's a little girl on her like dad's shoulders trying to do the disco dance. And he pulls out a camera to take a picture, and she almost falls off his shoulders. Like It's quick. It's like that, but I noticed it, and I laughed. I made it over. <laughs> I didn't notice that. <laughs> uh, she, it was like a, a quick, like, what? This is 98. But you could tell her that you could just be like, she goes, ah! Like, she she doesn't want to, you know, fall just because the dad wants to take a picture of Disco Inferno at a WCW It wasn't pay-per-view. easy to take pictures in 98, man. Them cameras, the little Polaroids are bigger. You put the phone out now, it's easy. But yeah. back then, you had to wind the film up and all that, like we talked about last week. <laughs> Let me get the flash now. Yep. Hold on now. <laughs> Let me let me check the flash real quick. Was that that? No, that was um. What WCW show was that when we watched? And it had Sonny Ono taking pictures of all the luchadors. I can't yeah, remember. Uh, Halloween Havoc '97. Yep. Oh, it was In the beginning okay. with uh, Yuji Nagata. He In took the... pictures of a bunch of guys too. It was we just watched it recently. Oh, it was Clash of the Champions. Oh, bunch of guys. I don't remember. Yeah, it was one. like Viano Four, Viano Five, and oh yeah, it was like a four on four match, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. gotcha. Yeah, so yeah. I, knew, I knew I wasn't crazy. We, we, we are the WCW show now. <laughs> this is right, like the we fourth were... straight WCW show we're deep diving. So. I mean, when it's October, you got to do Halloween Havoc. Absolutely. Uh, I guess we'll do a deep dive on a Hell in a Cell next week. I don't know. Maybe. And, you know, we got to, uh, you know, we're going to go back to WCW maybe in November with, with Fall Brawl. If Start... War Games comes, like, oh, can't wait. Fall Brawl. Yeah. I guess. Uh, oh, you're, you, you, you were thinking Starcade, but I... I mean, yeah, but you know, we got it. We got it. <laughs> At least the early starcades. <laughs> but man, I guess Fall, Fall Ball '97's got to be one in '98. Oh. We're just gonna watch all of 1997, 1998 <laughs> from WCW. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm into it now. I'm all into it. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta go back and watch it, man. Fall Brawl was in November. I thought that was in September. No, it was September, but War Games, you know, and if WWE does War Games and NXT, then I thought mm. it would. I thought it would fit. I'd well. rather watch like an old school War Games then, but we'll talk about this offline. How about <laughs> <Okay>. that? Okay. <laughs> we'll put a meeting on the books. We'll circle back. 
I'm gonna use all the uh, corporate speak here. <laughs> yeah. uh, after this match, after this Discord Inferno match, we get more Nitro Girls. I think this is the second time we've seen the Nitro Girls in like an know. hour, probably yeah. less than that. Yeah. Uh, Heenan didn't want anyone talking while the Nitro <laughs> Girls are out there, though. <laughs> I wrote that. My favorite, and this happened on Nitro. I don't even know if they were on Thunder, but whenever they would come out, like here and there, the commentators was you know kind of poke fun at each other and like today here it was like tony get back in your chair <laughs> you know i'm just like <laughs> visualizing like tony out of his chair like just dancing or something or t- try to go near the nitro girls and then they keep talking back and forth and he like both of you shut up <laughs> he didn't ask for a cold towel afterwards it's like take it easy bobby uh, you gotta get the nitro girls over gotta get the nitro girls over and we also got to get another promo. Absolutely. This is the third promo of the night. At least, no, we got Rick Steiner, Hogan, Raven, and now Scott Steiner. So that's a fourth promo of the night. Scott Steiner in the arena, shirtless, because why not? He's a big, bad booty daddy. Doesn't walk around with a shirt on. And he's talking about his brother. And he's talking about Marcus, a.k.a. Buff Bagwell. Because <laughs> remember, Buff Bagwell at one point was known as Marcus Alexander Bagwell and the American Males. Yeah. Wasn't the American Males? Yep. And he's in a. Was, Stars what was and the tag team he was with with Two Cold Scorpio? Uh, oh, that yeah, that's a good one. I I don't remember the name of that one. But they were a pretty good tag team. They were. They were the, like, the first WCW tag team I really kind of knew. Because when I watched like 93 and 94. Whenever they were teaming up. But I don't know if they had a name. I don't think they had a name either. You know what? I think they did. Because I do remember uh, Bagwell with the Patriot. They were Stars and Stripes. <laughs> and But I do remember him with Two Cold Scorpio too. They were pretty dope tag team. Yeah. I really liked that. They were like different, you know? All right. I don't remember if they had a name either, but. Oh, well. Yeah. Come on, but man. I'm to Scott Steiner is out there with the Giant. They're talking trash. And then he's so confident that they're going to beat Rick Steiner that he's like, you know what? Let's make it a tag team match. Rick Steiner and Buff Bagwell versus me and the Giant. And we're so confident we're going to win. We'll put the WCW tag team titles on the line. Now, were they the tag team champions heading into the show? They apparently were. <laughs> I had no idea. I had no recollection of that. I feel like they weren't. <laughs> like, <laughs> and something went wrong. Like somewhere, <laughs> something happened. Like they wanted Saturday night at a house show or something. <laughs> I don't know. Something happened, though. I can look up the title history real quick. But I feel like, I thought it was the Giant and Scott Hall were the tag team champions. Before this, and for some reason, it went to Scott Steiner. But again, I can look it up. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I can find the damn tag team history, the title history here on WWE.com. They're no help. <laughs> Thanks, WWE. No, no, not at all. No help at I all. I think because I remember, I guess the Giant won it back from Sting when Sting won it in the summer by himself. And then, yeah, good lord. And then... Okay. According to Wikipedia. Here we go. Okay. The Outsiders were the champions in February 1998. 
at Fall Brawl. Then it went to Sting and the Giant. Then it was vacated. Yeah. Then it went to Sting and Kevin Nash. Then Scott Hall and the Giant. Then it went oh, to okay. Rick Steiner, and we'll talk about this later on. So, but- yeah, because when Sting, he he faced the Giant one-on-one, and the winner would become the tag team champions and then choose their partner. So Sting won, chose Kevin Nash because he was in the Wolfpack. And then Scott Hall and the Giant must have beat them on like a Nitro or a pay-per-view or something. Mm, something so. like that. Confusing. There you go. Um, that's what it, it all, is. It all went downhill after the Outsiders lost at Slammery when Hall turned on Nash. It was just all the tag team yeah. titles became screwy after that. I mean, it, they were kind of screwy before that, but. That Hall turning weird. on Nash in general, which is yeah. weird. Yeah. Um, but J.J. Dillon comes out and says, you know, he's like, okay, well, we'll make this happen. But if you lose the belts, Rick Steiner gets Scott Steiner for 15 minutes. And Scott Steiner agrees. Would you think J.J. knows better by this point? Come on. <laughs> well, we're, we're, we'll see. What cracks me up is Scott Steiner just yells at J.J. He's like, we're the NWO, and you're not. <laughs> and that's it. Okay. That's all that matters. Okay, man. Like, Scott had the funniest promos, man. Because he was either... Scott Steiner like, was the best. Yeah. Because <laughs> he made the littlest things seem so bad. Like, we're the NWO and you're not. I was like, well, I'm not messing with Scott Steiner then. Jeez. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, speaking of somebody I'm not messing with, Fit Finley. There we go. He was next out. Uh, going against Alex Wright. Apparently, they were just seeing who was the best wrestler in Europe. So they had a match. <laughs> um, this well, is Ireland versus Germany. They fought, they actually had a backstory here that the announcers explained that we wouldn't have known otherwise. And I'm loving it. They apparently said Fit Finley ended Alex Wright's father's career by breaking his leg. Apparently. So even if it was wrong, it, like it may that this is like the WCW I loved when they were telling us why we should care about this match because again. It's like two heels again, like pretty much. Like no one's cheering for Fit Finley at this point. No one's cheering for Alex Wright, except that one guy in the audience that was doing a disco dance that didn't understand <laughs> Alex Wright's dance, but whatever. And uh, yeah, and it, I really liked this match, by the way. It was a good match. It was a hell of a good match. Yeah. It was like they beat the hell out of each other for like five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought it was dope. Yeah. Maybe best match of the night, maybe? Uh, no. <laughs> no. It was a good match, though. Oh, you know what? Yeah. Um, it was a damn good match. Yeah. But no, second it wasn't best. the best match of the night. <laughs> we can go second best. But no, this they were beating the hell out of each other, which means par for the course when you got Fit Finley in the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Alex Wright got to look like a tough guy for once, mm-hmm. and he won the match. He did. Uh... Fit Finley's hair, not great. Nah, that was, you know, it, it took me a while because I was like, that guy looks familiar. Where do I know him from? And before he t- changed his name to Fit Finley, he was the Belfast Bruiser with long, dark hair. And I was like, oh, yep. yeah. And I put two and two together. <laughs> and, and he got four. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. It was wild because even though I enjoyed this match, the fans were giving it boring chance at one point. Yeah, they. I don't know if you heard at that. At this point, the WCW crowd was more, more or less, uh, not their core crowd. That this, I think, this is more like a WWF type crowd where they, you know, the wrestling fans came in '98. They wanted a certain type of show, 
and they didn't care if like a, a wrestling match, a stiff wrestling match was there. Like they didn't care about Alex Wright. They didn't care about Fit Finley. So that's WCW's fault, though. Absolutely, absolutely. They didn't make us, didn't give us anybody a reason to care. I mean, I'm watching that at home. I didn't really care about it. And then I watched this back, and I'm thinking, damn, this is awesome. So, you know, <laughs> what is it? What is it? Like 20, almost 20 years later? So, no, 22 Over years. Over 20 later. years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 22 years later. Damn. Yeah. I'm old. Yeah. Time is uh, flying. You're 35, uh, baby. <laughs> but yeah. Happy that, birthday. That, <laughs> word. And <laughs> yeah, this. As a fan back then, I didn't care about this match at all. So I kind of fit with that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, get this match out of here. Like, come on. Um, well, they got it out of here uh, in due time after right, Alex Wright won. We didn't cut to the cat, Ernest Miller, on the internet show with Lee Marshall talking about all his victories and his credentials and his nicknames, which... <laughs> He called himself the greatest. And he's like, that's not your nickname. He didn't say whose nickname it was, but it clearly yeah, is a, yeah. you know, talking about Muhammad Ali. Yeah. I don't know why he couldn't just say his name. But okay. No man. And then he was like, Well, I'm the real deal. And he's like, Well, that, that's not that's somebody else's nickname too. And clearly he's mentioning Evander Holyfield. But didn't say his name for some reason. Don't know why. Fun this, fact. This baby laugh. This yeah. is weird. This is odd. Even though, look, I gotta say, the cat. Ernest Cat Miller, I think, was hysterical back in the day. Yeah, I think he was great. Yeah. I don't know why I liked him so much. <laughs> I thought he was funny. And he's legit, like, karate champion. Like, he wasn't somebody to be played with. Um, But I don't know. I just thought he was hilarious, the way he talked and stuff like oh, that. Oh, 100%. But, he, he was one of the characters I love the most uh, at this point. And, you know, him saying he was 65-0 and 0 against the tough guys and 5-0 and 0 against the overweight class and, <laughs> yeah. and then left. I was just like, man, this is great. I love this guy. The cat was great. We should have got more cat. Absolutely. More cat. <laughs> that sounds weird to say. Uh, <laughs> more uh, cat. Speaking of Evander Holyfield, I'm not sure if you know this, but we got his son on the Eagles, Elijah yeah. Holyfield. Yeah. I still think he's there, right? Unless I'm well, tripping. <laughs> he, might, he, might, he might have to get in the lineup at some point. These guys keep going now. Yep, he's still there. Look, I ain't going to talk about that. I just know he's on the team, all right? <laughs> He is on the team. He's on the practice squad right now. So, I know that much. So, we got a son on the team. We actually had, we actually had a Vander Holyfield at the game last year, his first game up uh, with us when we, after we picked him up. He, a Vander came to the game against, I think it was the Patriots, I think. Yeah. And we got like a little cell phone shout out from a Vander Holyfield. We could have put him out there on the field instead of Nelson Aguilar, but. Look, I ain't got, look, I ain't gonna talk about that. All right. You know what? I'm not here to to try and make you you know, comment on that, but sometimes it's just gotta <laughs> get it off my chest. Look, Nelson Aguilar's got two touchdowns for the Raiders this season, I think. That has two. nothing to do with him. I'm just saying. <laughs> He's got a couple touchdowns. Shout out to Nelson Aguilar. But he, um, he would have ten if he was here, damn it. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. I want our team to win, damn it. <laughs> It hurts. Moving on to <laughs> Lodi and Perry Saturn. I wrote here. <laughs> this was great. Another unadvertised match. <laughs> this is a match that did not belong on pay-per-view. No disrespect to Lodi or Perry Saturn, but this is a Nitro match. This is a Thunder match. Mm-hmm. The story that they were telling in this match did not warrant it to be on pay-per-view. 
The silliness they were doing in this match did not warrant it to be on pay-per-view. They were trying to get Perry Saturn over, and I'm fine with that. But that's something that needs to be done on TV. Not on a pay-per-view when you're already running over time, bro. Like, why did this happen? And not Lodi. You know, it's... (laughs) With his signs. No disrespect to Lodi, but you don't belong there. (laughs) Why? Did they... Did somebody in WCW watch Sign Guy Dudley? It was like, yeah. you know what? That could be a good gimmick for somebody. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure that's where it started. Hey, Lodi, <laughs> you ever see the Sign Guy Dudley guy? Who? Come over here. I got something for you. <laughs> you want to get on TV? Well, sure. You want to hold these signs? Not necessarily. But do you want to get on TV and get paid? Okay. <laughs> you got signs, I guess. Okay. And with something that I absolutely believe was not uh, you know, written into the match, uh, someone took his signs to the back, ready to take him, <laughs> and he ran after them and says, hey, bring back my signs. I need them, and chases him down and brings them back. And he looks right at the camera when he brings them back and says, leave these right here. They're important. I don't think that was, like, written into the match for some reason. Uh, WCW 98, I feel like that was legit. That was, like, a real thing that we saw. It was real stupid, I can tell you that. <laughs> It's really dumb. Because it was part of the match. He he went he he was getting the snot kicked out of him by Saturn, and then, and then he leaves to hold up a Lodi likes Texas sign. Like, what is going on here? This is what I'm talking about when I say WCW lost their way. Like, this was not on Halloween Havoc the year before. <laughs> like, <laughs> there was maybe one at an advertised match. Because I guess maybe they were short on time. They had to fill mm. some time. Okay, let's send Jericho and Gato out there. Okay, and they had a good match. Yeah, they weren't trying to tell some stupid stories. Just go out there, entertain the fans, get out. This one, on the other hand, with the loading nonsense, what is that? Is that supposed to be funny? It made me what, laugh. What was this? What happened? For, like for the wrong reasons. Y'all were such a like a more serious product the year before, and it's like y'all just lost it. Like, don't know what happened to WCW. But let's let's take some time here. Talk about Perry Saturn. First of all, let's talk about his gear. <laughs> which they talked about in the show, and his hat, and his gear, and his vest. And I wanted to make fun of it, but then I realized that he actually was in the Army. <laughs> and he graduated from Ranger School. And that's not something to sneeze at. So shout out to Perry Saturn for that. Um, yeah. But also, Perry Saturn, I thought Perry Saturn was dope. Like, I don't, I think people don't talk enough about how good Perry Saturn was in the ring. Maybe he wasn't the best talker or the best, like, personality, but he had a great look, and he can work. Like, I thought Paris Saturn was dope. And let's not forget, too, he was in the ECW as one half of the Eliminators and had one of the greatest yeah. finishing moves of all time, Total Elimination. Yep. And WCW with the suplexes, the WWF, and they completely ruined him, <laughs> uh, made him fall in love with a mop. But um, I thought Paris Saturn was dope. I just think he, he's an underrated kind of talent. Maybe he wasn't, like, a top star. Maybe he wasn't a main eventer. But... I, I guess he would be the proverbial solid hand, as they would say, and uh, yeah, I think his I think he's uh, underappreciated in in the grand scheme of things in wrestling. Perry Saturn, I uh, I might agree with that because a lot of people will remember him from when he jumped to WWE, and out of him, Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, and Chris Benoit, he seemed to be. Uh, on the outside, uh, they did. Yeah, he was like with, the fourth wheel. Yeah, they did like Dean Malenko. At least he had like the light heavyweight division to focus on and stuff like that. Um, Eddie Guerrero was Eddie Guerrero, and Benoit was Benoit at that time. Uh, 
I agree with you. He was solid in the ring. He moved well. Uh, I remember. I don't remember if it was at barely legal, but he was injured. His his leg was injured in EC, ECW, and he did like an elbow drop off the top rope. Plus, his leg was still in a cast or something, and it was just one of the most iconic moments that I remember from ECW back then. Uh, you know, all my respect to him from the ECW days. And I was actually pretty pissed when they went to WCW. I wanted them to go to the WWF. And I'm sitting here, mm. you know, it seems like WWF's working with ECW. And then I see some ECW guys jump to WCW. I was confused. I was like, no, man, they're going to they're gonna ruin you. But they didn't ruin him right away. I thought he was good with the flock and Raven. Um, at this point, they were trying to kind of like, you know, push him into his own, uh, have his own, you know, unique aura about him and away from Raven and it was okay uh, but then not long after this he went right into the dress stuff with Jericho and he's, he apparently thought it would get him more over with the audience but I just don't think it did enough for him uh, you know down the road but I always thought he was solid like you said solid hand I always enjoyed him watching him on TV you know even the promos like he might have not been great at him but you know, I paid attention when he was on my TV yeah, I think uh, if they had brought him, uh, Paris Saturn, and John Cronus as the Eliminators into WCW, yeah. or WWF, I should say. I should If they brought them into WWF in 98 or whatever that was. Yeah, that would have been cool. <laughs> that would have been dope. Well, uh, yeah, he was in he, – he, Saturn went to WCW in 97, actually. Right, so, so all right, so let's say they bring yeah. him in 97 then. Yeah. They didn't have a bunch of great tag teams in 97. <laughs> like, no. like they had they brought, bangers. They brought back the LOD for crying out loud. Right. Like, they brought back the new the yeah. new uh, Midnight Express in 98. Like, <laughs> yeah, you right. know, like it, they could have used a tag team like the Eliminators. And I yeah, think even point. though, yeah, they brought them in with the Radicals in, that, in 2000. And that was pretty dope. But they, like you said, they kind of, they weren't really like a team as, and as much as they were just like a group of guys. Yeah. So... They had something to do for Benoit. They had something to do for Guerrero. They even found something to do for Malenko. But they just feel like they just had Saturn like, kind of like just hanging out until he fell in love with a mop. <laughs> like it was stupid. He so, might have been like the like European a, champion, but you know that was at the time when the European champion kind of lost some of its luster. It was kind of right, treated like just, the twenty four seven title is today. It was just kind of like it was just there, not there. Yeah, exactly. But if you if they had brought them in in ninety seven as the Eliminators. I think it would have been something. I think it would have been dope. And yeah. maybe Perry Saturn could have transitioned to something else. Maybe he went to WCW because that's where a lot of those other guys who went from ECW went. Mm-hmm. You know, Benoit, Guerrero, Mysterio, Malenko, all those guys in the ECW, and they eventually went to WCW, Jericho. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think, like I said, Perry Saturn, I thought he was um, a very underappreciated talent uh, in the ring. And, you know, I think he could have done more in wrestling. Maybe, like I said, maybe he wouldn't have been a top guy. I'm not saying he should have been world champion. But I think he could have done a lot more uh, on his own in wrestling. Lodi, on the other hand, yeah, I don't know. I just (laughs) (laughs) wasn't digging him. Wasn't digging his uh, blonde hair with the thick black sideburns look neither. What the hell? (laughs) What the hell was happening? This whole thing. Hey, that was a wrestling look. I'm, uh, I'm cool. O- with only that. a wrestling yeah, look. A wrestling yes. Look. <laughs> only in wrestling. You're 100% correct. Um, so Paris Saturn wins easy. We move on to more Nitro Girls. I think this is like their third appearance on the show so far. Again, <laughs> you wonder why this show ran over. I could see if they had them at the beginning of the show, and maybe you have them in the middle. 
as little like intermission entertainment. But they had them at least one more time after this, <laughs> right? Yeah. I think yeah, so. They did. They did. I wrote down how many times. The the last time was when they had the wigs on. Right, so yeah, which is four times. like the Little Kim video from yeah. like 97, around this time period. Um, but, okay, more but, Nitro Girls. So b- before the Nitro Girls, did you make a note of Bobby Heenan talking? <laughs> he, he was talking about a, uh, Rick Steiner and Scott Steiner, and like the announcers were talking about it as a whole, and then Heenan go- started talking about he wants to see a good family fight. Mother and father, brother and sister, ripping and tearing each other apart, and he, t- Tony, Tony had to stop him. <laughs> he puts his hand out, just like relax. <laughs> mother, and then, father, <laughs> ripping mother, each other apart. That's taught domestic uh, violence, bro. Dude, man, Bobby, I don't know what about this, but I was quite cracking up because he started to being very demonstrative. He's like, mother and father, brother and sister, ripping and tearing each other apart. And Tony Schiavone's like, all right, relax. It just made me laugh. <laughs> Bobby Heenan was on one on this one. He was. He was. He was on another one. I'm just gonna say that. Um, but we got to move on to the cruiserweight championship between Kidman defending against his new number one contender, Disco Inferno. Did Disco Inferno even get an hour before this match? No, which is which is cool because uh, the announcer has mentioned that Tony. Was like I thought he would have a little more time in between matches here. Yeah, so they definitely made mention of it, which was cool. And you know, hey, they made something seem real. But also, Disco got kind of screwed over in that. Like, <laughs> like, he at least got an hour. He got like twenty five minutes or something. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of fair. Oh well. Um, that's fair because it's Disco Inferno. Who really cares? And then they did um, keep uh, Kidman's theme here which is awesome i loved his theme i was gonna say his theme music was pretty dope i'm not yeah. gonna lie to you yeah. um and but when he got to wwe he had like this rap song for a theme music do you do you remember that i don't off the top of my head go <laughs> look it up it's it fit did not fit billy kidman at all <laughs> i remember when i first heard it back in the day and i was like why does he have this song like is he like a is he a hip-hop head maybe it is i don't know like Maybe they do a lot of rapping out on town. I don't know. I do not in the know. Lehigh Valley. <laughs> Maybe they got a big rap scene there. Maybe Billy Kidman was a part of it. I don't know. <laughs> um, I did. I did uh, make mention. My hair right now is about the same length uh, as Kidman's here. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So that means you're going to be uh, yeah. marrying Tori Wilson sometime soon. Apparently. No. Oh, all right. All right. I, I, I guess I, I don't know if his is longer or Sting's was longer. Uh, you know, Sting's had pretty long hair at this point, so it was kind of like between them two. That that's kind of what my hair looks like now, if you could picture it. So you Sting when it's down. I, I don't wear it down like that, but it's kind of what it is. You're a generic wrestler named Billy Sting. <laughs> Steve Kidman. There you go, Sting Kidman. <laughs> hey, that's a badass name. <laughs> Trademark so. that shit. Um, this match was pretty good it got some unique offense in I thought that was pretty cool some of the offense they did for some reason though when Disco Inferno was beating up Billy Kidman he's yelling at him (laughs) and he Kidman turn the music down yes mom what what the hell was that what was that I wrote that down too (laughs) what what, what did I miss Uh, honestly 
my first thought was that he's making fun of his name. Uh, he's a little kid, you know. So that's, that's all the I, that's stupidest all I, joke. That is all I could come up with. If that's the case, Disco Inferno is the least funniest person on the planet. <laughs> I'm calling it right now. It's the least funniest person on the that's planet. That's definitely not something that was fed to him. So like, say this while you're no. getting on offense. <laughs> Turn down the music, Kidman. Get it? Because his name is Kidman, and he's a grown man, though. <laughs> It doesn't make any sense, bro. Oh, There's man. nothing about him that says kid other than his name. Yeah. Which is, I'm pretty sure it's his given name. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's yeah. not like it's, it's even a stage name, I don't think. I can look it up, but pretty sure it's not yeah. a stage name. A grown ass sure adult with that, is his actual name. With that beautiful shooting star press. Yes. That was uh, very well done. Oh, that's not his given name at all. <laughs> <laughs> His name is Peter Allen Gruner Jr. Of course it is. <laughs> why was Billy Kidman his name? WCW. And why man. was he built from Allentown? He's from New Haven, Connecticut. Maybe he lived in Allentown at some point. Nah, nah. Maybe he trained. It's just in like Allentown. it's it's like the names they gave to their referees. They were so generic. Billy Silverman. Like yeah, I think he trained in Allentown with the Samoan with the Wild Samoans. Hmm. So, Nick Patrick, like wow, <laughs> Randy Anderson. I mean, Mark they're not supposed Curtis. to be stars, but uh, yeah, there you go. That's that's what that's what the whole thing is. He <laughs> trained in Allentown with the Wild Samoans, and that's why they built him from Allentown. But he's born in New Haven, Connecticut, apparently. <laughs> there you go. The more you know. Uh, by the way, uh, Shooting Star Press Kidman uses it to win, and there you go. Still your cruiserweight champion, Peter Allen Gruner Jr. Huh. Well, uh, I will. So I have AEW on right now. Cody Rhodes mm-hmm. just won the TNT title from who? Cody Rhodes just won the TNT title from Brody Lee. That's weird. He won it back. Yeah. Why? Cody Rhodes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. He's Triple H, man. He wants to be Triple H. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Wasn't he, he the one using the, the sledgehammer to break down the throne? Yeah, and now he's yeah. pretty much doing okay. Well, he's got all Never these mind. like you know entrances and whatnot. He's the Triple H of AEW, man. <laughs> right, and I don't, nec- I don't necessarily mean that as a bad thing. Like I know people will probably take it, but like that's what he is. So it's not bad if he wasn't the guy who's br- destroying the throne at a show last yeah. year. Yeah, but yeah. you're the one with the pyro and all that. You know, yeah. I just I like it was weird. Like I looked right over here. and I was like, wait, why is he? Got the title. Like, I don't, he's cutting a Puma right now with Arn, Dustin, and Brandy there. I can't, the crowd's cheering for him. I guess he's not turning heel yet, but I don't know. I just thought that was weird. Oh, they got fans there, right? Yeah, they they do. Yeah. It's Florida. They're like back to normal pretty much. So, <laughs> oh my God. The Miami <laughs> Dolphins are full. Oh, I, I don't get it, man. <laughs> full. I saw it. Yeah. I oh. saw it. It's like 65,000 people. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. What? <laughs> Something like that. I'm pretty sure that's the case. I think I saw that correctly. It was like 65 stacks yeah, in I, the yeah, stands. I saw the same thing, yep. Ooh, Orange Cassidy is coming out now. Hmm. Okay. Anyway, that would be a good Halloween Havoc match. <laughs> Come to NXT October 28th, guys. <laughs> Here we go. Dolphins have been given full clearance to go full capacity of 65,000 fans. 
The team, though, says their current plan of 13,000 fans remains the same. So well, should, the Dolphins but... are like, we're not going to do 65,000. Yeah. We're, we're, we're not going to do that. <laughs> we'll, do, <laughs> we'll do a quick 13, but we're not going to go that far. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> this wild stuff going on right now, man. It really is. And, you know, Philly is uh, apparently going to let fans go as it'll be up to the the Eagles, but it should be interesting. Actually, the rest of the uh, season. I will say this. It's, at, it's not totally up to us. It's up to the city, actually. So I'll say that much. Well, so. the city can't force you to take in fans, right? I don't know the, all the politics behind it, but. Uh, that would suck. But it's not all. It's not, this is all happening to today, us. too, by the way. Or yesterday, today, where I saw the stuff. So. Things are, not, things are getting crazy. Yeah, it's not. I don't think it's solely up to us, though. But, you know, outside of my uh, pay grade, for sure. <laughs> um, next up on Halloween Havoc 1988. I'm going to email Jeff Lurie. Vaughn says. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Did you hear what he said? <laughs> uh, next up here, though, we got the WCW Tag Team Championships. Rick Steiner. And Buff Bagwell challenging Scott Steiner and the Giant. The Giant, by the way, <laughs> chain smoking his way to the ring. <laughs> what the hell was going on here? Why was he doing he, that? He 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 had been doing it for months. I think the first time I saw him do it was like Great American Bash in June. So this is this had been his gimmick for a while. And I remember I was online at the time, and people were kind of pissed because they were like, "He's ripping off the Sandman's gimmick." <laughs> Oh, stop it. Come the on. He gets one cigarette in his mouth, this and it's is, the Sandman? <laughs> this is the internet wrestling community that I was kind of born into when I first got the internet. So here I am, and I'm like, you know what? That's a good point. He's got a cigarette. So does a Sandman. That's not cool. So I was already, like, poisoned in the mind at this, at this point. <laughs> but... <laughs> nuance wasn't a thing at all like, no not for 12 13 year olds no cigarette sandman <laughs> not like there's no kindle stick there's no beer the no crowd wcw apologists t- are like well he doesn't have a beer and he doesn't have a cane he's not right. the sandman i was like yeah but he and has a cigarette and he's literally twice the size of this man <laughs> like that's not even a joke <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, okay, it just—it was just an odd look for a man of that size to be smoking this tiny little cigarette, looking yeah. like a toothpick. Yeah, and I get maybe Big Show. I'm sure Big Show was an actual smoker at that point. But why was that part of his gimmick in the ring? Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, I really—is that add edge to him? I cannot tell. Smoking you. a cig because I don't even know if Eric Bischoff mentioned it before of why they started that, or because um, maybe he maybe he said it was like, yeah, he was a smoker, so it was just like, hey, just smoke to the ring. And add some edge because the yeah. seven foot 500 pound guy needed more edge <laughs> well he was kind of a joke in 98 that's and wcw's fault absolutely i know that but even looking back i was like he did literally nothing of substance after you know the feud with nash and the you know he wound up rejoining the nwo just because he ate in nash and ever since then like everything was stupid towards the end of his <laughs> wcw run 100 percent correct um I just I just found that weird. He's smoking a cig yeah, yeah. on his way to the ring. Um, I was going to say something else about that too. That I can't remember now about him smoking cigarettes on his way to the ring. I'll well, probably what, come back what, to he, it. He should have like 
went to high five a fan and then took the cigarette out and put it in the fans. <laughs> Burnt their hand. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, I know what I want to talk about. The fact that he was smoking indoors mm. in a public arena should let mm. you know this is a much different time than where we are in today. Yeah, that's true. Because you true. can't smoke nowhere inside no more. Very true. And like, the f- I, be- I believe it was around when I was 18, the law changed or something like that, 18, 19. Yeah, it's been a while since yeah. you could, right? And it's been a long the, time. I remember going to pool halls and, you know, there was still smoking in there. And, uh, you know, some people went outside, but like pool halls were completely filled with smoke. And I was old oh, yeah. enough to, you know, go there and hang out. And I didn't really start doing that until I was like, you know, 18, 19, 20. So, yeah, crazy. There are very few places now. Where you can smoke in like some random bars, you can probably smoke indoors. There are very few of them, though. For the most part, you cannot smoke indoors. At least in, I don't know about other states, but in Philly and Pennsylvania, I'm pretty sure that's not that's not the window. But it made me think about also remember remember when you could and you can go to restaurants and they had like the smoking section. Yeah, yep. I used <laughs> to go to diners all the time, and yep. And my mom was like, "I want to sit in the smoking section." <laughs> we would always. But now d- it's like good. But now it's like, why would somebody want to smoke near their food? That seems disgusting. Yeah, yeah it's, I never understood it. Uh, thankfully, my parents didn't smoke growing up. And, you know, obviously my, sis, my sister had tried it, you know, like who, of course, people try it. And I don't like harbor any ill will for that, but I never touched it either. And I remember going to this one diner, Woodbury, New Jersey, Colonial Diner, shout out. And uh, they still had a smoking section and we would go in and we would always say non-smoking, non-smoking, non-smoking. So... Um, and the smoking section was much, you know, uh, smaller than the rest of the re- uh, diner. So, uh, yeah, I just don't understand why anyone would want to, like, sit in smoking. Uh, right. Eating it, food it's just smoking. weird. Yeah. Like, you could not smoke for that time period. <laughs> like, <laughs> right? You're only there but for, like, now, a half hour to an hour. Like, come on. But now it's, like, it's not even, it's non-existent. Like, people don't even, I don't know anybody, for one, I don't really know people that smoke cigarettes. My mom doesn't smoke anymore. And I don't know anybody else that smokes cigarettes. So if I'm going out somewhere, it's not an issue for people that I'm with. But I don't know if it's any a, a, a really an issue for anybody. I mean, people vape and stuff like that now. I don't know if they allow vapes like that in restaurants. But and if, if somebody guys to smoke, they'll probably they'll step outside, obviously, yeah. to smoke. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know if people will be like, ah, oh, I can't not smoke for this next hour. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just. It's just times have changed dramatically. And Big Show, or say Giant, I should say, walking down to the ring with a cigarette in his mouth in a, in a public venue like the MGM Grand is just a sign of that. That's one place, though, I will say, you can't smoke cigarettes. It's casinos. Yeah. You can go in casinos yeah. to smoke cigarettes. I think they have a smoking section in casinos still, but that's because they want people to be comfortable as possible when they're, when they're spending all right. their damn money. Right, exactly. And it's been a while since I've been in a casino, like 10 years. So, yeah. Yeah. I was in a casino last year when I went to Atlantic City for the weekend. Oh, I see. No, I didn't go to the casino down there. I went to AC in like 2012 last, I think, uh, for like a weekend or something. So, yeah, eight years. Because we used to walk through the casinos and whatnot. Sometimes I would stop and play a little bit. But I didn't like losing my money. I was bad. Right. At it. Which, <laughs> not, by the way, I, I did win sixty dollars uh, this past weekend on sports betting. Uh, thank you, Odell Beckham Jr. There you go. <laughs> thank you, o- OBJ. By the way, we appreciate you. Um, <laughs> yeah. More ways than we one. We all appreciate you. 
Um, yeah, more than you know. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I've hit up the Tropicana a couple times in yeah, that's, AC. Yep, exactly, yep. The Trop. Not a gambling van, but they have some different restaurants in there that I yeah. kind of get into. Yep. Um, but yeah, Giant smoking a cigarette. Weird. Um, Buff Bagwell also weird for wearing jeans to the ring. Wearing his damn dungarees to the ring. What what the hell was he wearing here? I, I don't even know. No, uh, it was bad. It, it makes sense. All I know is is that Scott Steiner was awesome in WCW. <laughs> Terrible in WWE. Awesome in WCW. He was, I don't know, he was just cool as hell. I don't know why. He just felt like very of that time period. He didn't feel like Hogan when he was like, oh, he's a bygone era. Something like that. He just felt like, I don't know. I feel like I've I seen like guys like Scott Steiner in movies or something like that. <laughs> he was something, man. Like, it was like a movie he, villain or something. Yeah, because he was so into everything he was doing. It. He it didn't it never looked like he was going through the motions or whatever that he didn't believe what he was saying like no matter what he was saying it might have been ridiculous as hell but like he was yelling it and he was making you believe that he really thought whatever the hell he was saying like oh yeah even as a heel like uh, you know and that, his... even as a face before he turned heel he was he was kind of like intense in, in a way and quiet but then once he got those promo skills going as a heel like no one uh, who could top him. In WCW, at least. Nobody. No. No. He's incredible. Also, as jacked as he was, he was still freakishly athletic. Yeah. he could still pull off the Frankensteiner, which is, at his size, amazing. Yep. Um, And, like I said, he was just awesome. I don't know. He's just... But, also, you got to give him credit for the drastic change he made, too. From Varsity Club Scott Steiner to Big Bad Booty Daddy Scott Steiner. <laughs> Such a drastic overnight, not really overnight, but like such a drastic 180. <laughs> you don't see too much from guys. I don't know ever. Like I don't know how many guys have made such a drastic 180, like Scott Steiner did. And his second, I guess the second half, you know, of the 180 was actually better than the first. Like much better. Nobody yeah. remembers, or very few people care to remember. Scott Steiner as a member of the Varsity Club. Yes, the Varsity Club and the Steiner Brothers as a tag team, dope. You know, we're not going to discount the Steiner Brothers as a tag team or the Varsity Club as a faction. But when you think of Scott Steiner, you think of Hollow If You Hear Me. You know, Scott Steiner is your hookup. You don't think of him wearing a singlet as a member of the Steiner Brothers. So it's a tag team. So uh, shout out to Scott Steiner, who was on the Chiron well, that one time he was on the news as just a restaurant owner. <laughs> just hella uh, funny. It was um, But this match, uh, as predicted, uh, Bagwell immediately turns on Rick Steiner. <laughs> and then just runs away. Like, literally yeah. runs away. Yeah. <sighs> what the hell? And then Tony... W lost their way, man. Tony, I, I keep saying it. <laughs> I know there's many of you... Many of you out there that who maybe expected this, like, what? And then he talks about how the announcers met with Bagwell in the back and said, we thought there was no way he could have fooled us on a personal level. Like, oh, my God. Like, they're, <laughs> they're trying to explain it. So, I, I do respect that. I love that. But this was, like, the worst explanation ever. Like, I, I hated it. Really it. I hated it. It was so bad. <laughs> 
So apparently Judy Bagwell had already made her debut by this point. Yeah. Uh, and, and like, like today. I was like, you think Judy Bagwell's involved in this? <laughs> Tony, Tony and Bobby go, no. <laughs> like simultaneously, they're like, no. The lovely Judy Bagwell. Mike Tanay, man. man. Uh, Mike, speaking of Mike Tanay, he said that the giant weighed in that morning at 552 pounds. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the smoking did not help. <laughs> Probably not. Weight. Probably not. Um, but if that's true, if he actually did weigh in at 552, that had to be the heaviest the giant had ever been, right? Yeah, I, I made a note of that. This definitely had to be the heaviest he was in WCW. I know he had had some bouts. He was in WWE for a lot. He's been in WWE for 21 years. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know if he, he reached that point eventually again, but definitely in WCW. I don't, I don't WCW, think they let him reach that point. I think they sent him, like, to OVW and all right. that stuff before he could get to 552. I feel well, like they yeah. they had him at 500 when he first came in. And he was like, you know what? You need to cut down a little bit. We don't want. We don't need another Yokozuna situation on our yeah. hands where you just keep getting bigger and bigger. Rest in peace, Yokozuna. But yeah. his weight was notoriously a problem, yeah. and he was upwards of six hundred pounds at some points. And WWF kept trying to get him I to lose think, weight. Uh, WWF made him get liposuction before he debuted with them. I know that was maybe uh, going on on the internet. Maybe I don't know, but so. I, I I highly doubt WWF let him to get to five fifty two. Yeah. Like, again, if that's the case. It had to have been the heaviest Big Show had ever been. Yeah. And, and nowadays, you see him, he's like, I don't, he's not even 400 pounds nah, nowadays. Nah. He's like 380. Yeah. Which is still massive for any normal human being. But for like for him, it's like he's skinny. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we saw that, especially at the end of this, where he's really struggling to get to the top rope for that dropkick spot. He, he just, he's not having it. You know, he's trying to get his balance, and this isn't the giant of, you know, two or three years prior to this where he was, like, doing kip-ups and everything, um, you know, jumping over the top rope from the apron and stuff like that. Uh, this was a guy that was struggling just to get to the top rope to do a drop kick. So, um, Well, I mean, just the fact that he can get up there was still amazing. <laughs> like, well, yeah. And he still hit the, and he still hit but, the missile drop kick at but, 552 yeah, and pounds. The giant, the giant that we knew from WCW – didn't struggle with stuff like that. So then when we saw him struggle, it's like, yeah, his his weight was definitely out of control at that point. Uh, he was still pretty damn athletic uh, yep. for given his size. Yep. He hits the missile drop kick, but he hits Scott Steiner by accident. Uh, Rick Steiner takes advantage, hits uh, the Giant with the Bulldog from the top rope, pins the Giant, wins the match, and is the new WCW Tag Team Champions all by himself. So eventually... We find out that he picks Kenny Chaos to be his tag team partner, because, of course, Kenny Chaos. <laughs> um, and that didn't work out because Rick Steiner got hurt. But before that, uh, Rick Steiner gets his 15 minutes with Scott Steiner, as per the stipulation of the match, and he's beating up Scott Steiner, and they're having a match, and then. This is, again, another example of WCW just having no clue what the hell is they're doing. Like, what the hell is going on here? Okay? For some reason, somebody dressed up as Bill Clinton just walks to the ring, gets handed a slapjack. <laughs> <laughs> it's which, Stevie Ray. 
Stevie mm-hmm. Ray hands him a slapjack. Well, right. What's Stevie Ray but, doing in the aisle on aisleway? Like just chilling. Why did he have to hand him a slapjack? He has a full suit on. He couldn't have it in his pocket. <laughs> he wouldn't have got through this security. Is jail. He wouldn't have got through security. <laughs> what? He wasn't through security. He was Buff Bagwell. <laughs> but wait, for, before we get move on, we gotta talk about retribution. Speaking of slapjack. Because WWE might have babyfaced Retribution on Monday <laughs> when they made Mustafa Ali the leader of the group. Because yeah, yeah. who wants to root against Mustafa Ali? Not me. WWE, you've lost your way so much that you had your pretty much the best babyface you could ever have in Mustafa Ali. Who No one dislikes this guy. He seems like the nicest, most just down to earth. He's a former cop who wants police reform and all this different stuff. Great guy. A person of color. He's He's... He's, he's trying to shed the stereotypes of 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 people from you know middle middle eastern people and stuff like that he's trying to shed those stereotypes great stuff he's trying to do and what does wwf do wwe make him a heel <laughs> like, yeah. what yeah. he's perfect yeah he's perfect no let's make him a heel then on top of but but the thing is like i said no one's going to root against retribution also because retribution apparently they're fantastic on Twitter. Now. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, they're better on Twitter than on screen. Which is usually the case in WWE, yeah. right? Yeah. When they write for people, they're terrible. But when they do their own thing, there's like, they're wildly entertaining. So, that's just that's just as the quickest side. You know, retribution angle is probably still going to be trash and probably it's going to probably wind up trash because it's WWE. They can ruin things in the blink of an eye. And I would still be stunned if it's a thing past Survivor Series. I'm still standing on that point. <laughs> um, but they got something here with Mustafa Ali, at least, I guess. At least it's on TV, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. But even as bad as Retribution thing can be, it's still better than what we're talking about here, Halloween Havoc 98. Because, again, Stevie Ray passes off a slapjack like it's a shiv in prison for some reason to a man dressed up in a suit with a Bill Clinton mask. Why? Why? Don't know. Then he hits Rick Steiner with the slapjack. I just wrote, this is weird. Then he hits Charles Robinson, the referee, too. Bam, knocks him out. <laughs> Takes off the mask. It turns out to be Buff Bagwell. Because I, why? Did it, Was it necessary? Was it? Why are people just beating up referees randomly? Wasn't this a no disqualification match? Did he need to knock out the referee? Then the bell just starts ringing. Who rang the bell? <laughs> Charles Robinson is unconscious. Did the did the, did the timekeeper just say, you know what, I'm taking I'm taking over here. Get this yeah. <laughs> we gotta clean this mess up. Uh, nope, we're done. Ding 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 ding. No, I'm taking over. <laughs> this is out this is outrageous. And he, he was right, if that's the case, he it was outrageous. What the hell is going on? I, I don't know, man. <laughs> it gets even more uh, weird. It does. Because Bagwell takes Charles Robinson's <laughs> limp body, makes him count. One, two, Rick Steiner kicks out. And he he's stops the dog faced gremlin. He stops the count. <laughs> he stops right. He does. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> he doesn't count anymore. <laughs> it doesn't matter, Buff Bagwell. Then he gets him again, pulls him over. Oh, actually, Scott Steiner hits the Frankensteiner. He takes the referee's hand again. One, two, Rick kicks out. He stops to count again. <laughs> Why? It doesn't even matter. The match is already over. 
Then Rick fights off Buff Bagwell, hits his brother with the bulldog. The referee comes to, counts to three, and Rick Steiner, after all of that, Rick Steiner still won. <laughs> Twice in one night. And the Rick fan, Steiner's the, the baddest man it. on the planet. Fans he won the tag titles by himself. Then he beat Scott and Buff Bagwell by himself. <laughs> then the, the icing on this terrible cake. Here we go. End of the segment. Yes. Bagwell's laying on the side <laughs> of the ring. And he's yelling for Monica. In reference to Monica Lewinsky. Because, of course, he was Bill Clinton. <laughs> yeah, right. And somebody in WCW thought that was just, oh, my God. They thought that was just a gut buster. They thought that was hysterical. I am absolutely surprised it wasn't Vince McMahon writing that line. Maybe it was. That, I don't know. <laughs> try to make sense of this for me, Nick. Can you, please? Um. So, by the way, when Rick Steiner pinned the Giant to win the tag titles, the, the crowd was into it. They they loved. They that were. Push. But that's that's the saving grace is that Rick Steiner was over with the yeah. fans. And then they followed Thank up goodness. with this crap. Uh, I don't exactly know why we needed that match. Uh, you know, like you you said, that it was already running over, and we still got one, two, three, four more matches after this one. Uh, you know, you can just do all this in Rick Steiner versus Scott Steiner with the referees back turn. I don't. I don't know. Man, I don't why know. Do you need the tag uh, title match. Uh, Did it was just weird. That? Did Neil the Buff Bagwell stuff? It's just uh, no, no, whoa, not at all. I will say, Rick's like you said, Rick Steiner's super over. And if every time they do the whole spot where, like, with Rick and Scott, they do the thing where he runs, Rick Steiner runs around, yeah, yeah. and he gets on his knees, and Scott gets on top of him, like, yeah, like yeah. that, that pops me every time. Yeah, that's cool. It's still a great spot. It yeah. wasn't, I didn't pop quite as hard when Buff Bagwell did it. <laughs> <laughs> But God. I was gonna say, like, even yeah. whenever they still, whenever they did it, it was still awesome. Like the Steiner brothers was a dope ass tag yeah. team. Yeah, they were. I was a big fan of them in '97. Uh, I loved their WCW run, uh, even their WWF run in the early '90s. Uh, I enjoyed. It was the first time I saw them because I didn't see them in WCW before they went to the WWF. So I was always uh, kind of a Steiner guy. I was really yeah, happy when they won the tag titles too from the Outsiders. In like '97, it was like I think the same night LOD won the tag team titles on Raw in like ni- October '97 or something like that. So, oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, moving on from the Steiners, we go to the Outsiders, Hall and Nash, who were hating each other, going against each other. And I thought to myself, like, wait a minute, man. I understand that the NWO, the Wolfpack, were like the babyface faction of between the two. But, like, why would I really feel bad for either one of these guys? <laughs> like, Kevin Nash is like, oh, my best friend, man. I don't know where he's at right now. And it's like, yeah, I get it. He's supposed to be the baby face. But, like, you two guys terrorized WCW for two years. <laughs> Just, it started with y'all two. <laughs> and now I'm supposed to be like, man, their bond, their bond man, is so broken. I'm like, I'd probably root against both of them. Yeah. Yeah. Because... You know what frustrated me the most, and this was months before this happened, when Lex Luger and Sting joined the Wolfpack, and it just literally wiped out the two years prior. Like none of that mattered anymore. And nope, 
It's like then that's really when WCW for me became annoying as hell. Like I still watched it. I still like watched the pay-per-views here and there, this being one of them. But Luger joining, it was like you've been fighting these guys so long. Like why? Like you weren't just fighting Hogan though. You were fighting Kevin Nash. You were fighting Conan. Like you were fighting Randy Savage. And Scott Hall. And Scott Hall. But what are you doing? Like, why all of a sudden you're like, oh, all right, like, I'll join you guys. Like, was WCW not good enough? Like, it, it made, like, the WCW brand kind of lame because it's like, okay, we're watching WCW program, but, like, there's no one from WCW to cheer for. Like, you had Goldberg and eventually. And And then DDP. So And maybe some cruiserweights, and that's about it. <laughs> right, exactly. And so... I just hate from that point when Luger and Sting joined the Wolfpack. I was kind of like, just like this creative is yeah. That's what I said. This creative. I was like these angles are lame. Like I'm not really digging it. Even when the Hall turned on Nash, I was like, well, I saw that coming and whatever. But the one good part about WCW was like they tried to tell a story, and no matter how bad it was, they would string it out and. Hall turned on Nash in May and they didn't have a match until October. So at least they were able to, you know, I don't know if that's a win or not, but whatever. Well, in the meantime, they made him out to be a drunk on TV. Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, yeah, that was kind of what he was in real life, but what it just makes me uncomfortable to see it on TV. I don't know. Yeah. I understand re- you want to make art imitate life or life imitate art, but it's nah. Yeah, not not great. I I remember watching that live. It was I believe it was the same Nitro Ric Flair returned, which by the way, where the hell was Ric Flair on this pay per view? And uh, <laughs> it, you know, it was we're all like pretended to throw up and everything like that. And I was like, oh my god, like this is real. <laughs> I was like such a mark, you know. And, and I guess uh, that's that's the, that's the desired that's reaction, but yeah. it's just I, weird. I, I, I I'm sitting here thinking like, okay. I understand the story. It's like we're supposed to think Kevin Nash has been reaching out to Hall, trying to help him, but Hall doesn't want the help. So Hall's the bad guy, even though he's got the drinking problem, but Kevin Nash wants to help. I don't think this match and this angle helped <laughs> Kevin Nash in the no, slightest. Because, hey, my alcoholic friend, I'm going to beat your ass <laughs> until you don't drink alcohol no more. Yeah, right? Right? Beat the vodka out of you. <laughs> I'm going to make fun of you while I do it too. I'm going to pretend I'm drinking. You want another? Yeah. You want a double? Yeah. I'm just beat your ass <laughs> until you stop drinking. <laughs> beat some sense into him. Which, I mean, maybe back in 98, that was fine. In 2020, that would not be no. fine. <laughs> like, no. people would not have, uh, people would have issues, I should say, with the fact that the, the alcoholic's best friend is just whooping his ass. <laughs> like, yeah. And quote unquote beating sense into him. So yeah, that's what pretty much this match was when we get here. I mean, but it starts off with Scott Hall coming out with a cup, uh, presumably vodka. It's clear. Um, I don't know about you, but I ain't no. I don't drink li- white liquors no more. I don't drink light liquors. I drink nothing but dark liquors now. So bourbons, whiskeys, and yep. you know stuff like that. That's yep. what I'm drinking. Brandy, maybe, but no vodka, guy. no yeah. rum. Same. Yeah, it's just. I guess this just comes with age. I don't know. I guess so. Because you know? I don't like vodka anymore. I can't do it. But um, 
Scott Hall comes out. He pretends to be drunk. He's stumbling around the ring. Kevin Nash comes to the ring. Everybody's loving him. Comes out with the uh, the Wolfpack theme music. That's pretty cool. But comes to the ring. Scott Hall's pretending to be drunk. And out of nowhere, Hall throws the drink in his eyes. In Nash's eyes, I should say. And again, presumably vodka. So I'm assuming it burns. And mm. Scott Hall pretends, you know, commences to beating on Kevin Nash. He hits him with the microphone. He chokes him out with a cable. No, not an extension cord. That was a cable, Nick. Not an extension cord. <laughs> um, then for some reason, Kevin Nash is bleeding. Then Scott Hall berates him with a microphone while Kevin Nash is being tended to by the trainers. And then Kevin Nash starts fighting back. And that's when things get uncomfortable <laughs> as far as Kevin Nash yeah. is just beating the holy hell out of Scott Hall while making fun of the fact that he has a drinking problem. Not like a a in storyline drinking problem like a real life drinking problem and it, maybe it's different because we know in hindsight how bad it was for scott hall and how he was at his worst i mean we literally saw it in like this the, the jake the snake robbers documentary we saw it in the e60 thing they did on him back in like 2014 yeah. or whatever it was yeah. and and it was as bad as it can get for scott mm. hall i mean so we know that it only got worse from here but on this night, he's getting beat up for being an alcoholic. Kevin Nash beats him from one post to another, hits him with two jackknife power bombs, and then things get really weird. <laughs> because Kevin Nash apparently proved his point and doesn't want to win. Nope, he just walks out and gets counted out. Because he beat up Scott Hall. He doesn't do anything else except maybe win the match. What the hell? What's going on? I don't understand this at all. <laughs> Nick, again, please uh, try to make sense of this for I, me. I, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. Uh, I, I guess, you know, this was revenge from SummerSlam 94. <laughs> all right. Uh, no, or that might not be it. Uh, I, I don't understand. Like, all of a sudden, he's got a point to prove. Like, after all this time, like, it was just about beating the crap out of his best friend who, you know, even though he, you know, I guess the story is he tried to reach out to Hall. Hall didn't want him to, his help. The babyface reaction is not to just go, okay, well, screw you. I'm going to beat your ass and then leave. It's like try to do something else to get his attention to, <laughs> to reach out to Hall, you know, like be a good friend. It, very convoluted. Uh, this is the type of storyline that you really kind of mess with people in real life because back then I'm sitting here and I'm like cheering Nash on. I'm like, yeah, kick his ass. He doesn't want your help. Screw him. That's, right. a, that's a bad way to think, you know? Like, no, th those are the people that need you the most. So, uh, and you got to go, you got to change your message somehow to try and get through to them. You, you got to get help so somehow. You don't just beat the crap out of your friend and then leave. Uh, give him, two, I could see give him crotch like, chops after two jackknives and right. then leave. Like, come on. I, I can see if like he they have the match, okay? Because like, all right, I, they 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 they're upset at each other, so they have the match because it's wrestling. They got to fight each other at some point. But during the course of the match, maybe Kevin Nash is feeling sympathy for his friend because mm -hmm. they're still friends, right? Right. And maybe he beats him, but he's still like very sympathetic towards him, right? Like he doesn't necessarily want to beat him up too bad. He doesn't want to hurt him. He does 
have the match, but you know they 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 have it and they they go through it and he's like, oh man, you know, like I feel bad. He tr- maybe he tries to get Scott Steiner up and or Scott Hall, I should say, up and try to you know be friends with him again. Maybe you can either bring them back together and say, and Scott Hall learns from the error of his ways and and goes on the path to recovery, at least in storyline, or. You can have Scott Hall be an even bigger heel than he was before by turning on Kevin Nash again. <laughs> like, <laughs> Kevin Nash goes, oh, I'm sorry, man. I didn't want to do it. And he like low blows him or smacks him or whatever. Like, And you can keep it going yeah. that way. But the last thing you should do is make Kevin Nash mock him for drinking. Like That just seems right. like, again, this is hindsight. This is 2020, mm-hmm. literally the year 2020 and 2020 vision hindsight. <laughs> um, so we can say it's easy to say this now. And back then, times were different, obviously, you know, even though alcoholism was a very real thing that a lot of people dealt with back then. I just I guess the people, the way people viewed it and I guess it's mental health and just addiction overall, all those things kind of go together. So, you know, they're kind of tied together. Um, but people view them both very differently today than they did back then. Yep. And where you blame the victim in this particular instance. And yeah, like I said, like people, they have to go through things. They have their friends go through stuff, and you, you might get frustrated with them because, damn it, why can't you just not do this stuff? Right. But to do what Kevin Nash is doing on this night is not the wave, and it, it wasn't yeah. the wave back then. It's not the wave today. So yeah, this was weird. And then the finish, he just doesn't beat yeah. him. Yeah. Just and gets counted out, and Scott Hall just dusts himself off and leaves. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> like, just what? just over two months from now. They're going to be re- reunited anyway, so I think. Oh yeah, because of course the cattle prod. Yeah, you yeah. know, I mean, beats Goldberg. Of course, maybe at this point they don't know that's the end game. I, I don't know, but you would think they do because WCW seemed to plan stuff out well in advance. And for I, I liked kind of like your idea where Nash is more sympathetic, and then Hall turns on him again. They have like another match at Starcade, or well, the Kevin Nash goes on to beat Goldberg, but um, the story would have been better between Nash and Hall. And all of a sudden, boom, boom, you hot shot Kevin Nash and Goldberg. Kevin Nash beats Goldberg's streak. And everything from there, everything's already like collapsing at this point, but it's going to crumble by that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They are already taking in water, and then they started sinking for real yeah. after Starcade. So. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's that mess. Um, what did we transition to? More Nitro Girls. <laughs> because we don't have the word about... Shut up, about... Tony. <laughs> don't talk. <laughs> uh, but we don't have to worry about, you know, getting off the air in time. Just, just throw them out there again. I want... Did they know they were up against it? Like, they couldn't have known, I guess. They had to have known they were up against the time. They had to. Right? They got clocks, right? <laughs> <laughs> Is that a casino? <laughs> Like Maybe the they hell? forgot they were on West Coast time or whatever. And it's not uh, like Mountain Time. I don't know what Las Vegas is, but I don't know how yeah, far it's, back. It's like they it's Mountain are. Time. So. I think it's Mountain Time. But either way, maybe it's West Pacific Time. I don't know. But either way, it's not like we hadn't seen the Nitro, Nitro Girls already three times. We have, so it's okay if you just take out one of their performances. I think they'll be all right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they already got three routines in. So like, I I, I don't know. But we we move on. To the WCW United States Championship between two legends, Bret Hart defending against Sting, and it's like, how many times have we seen this match in history? I (laughs) count on one hand. We actually saw it six days prior to this. Oh, (laughs) it was a Nitro match. 
<laughs> Six days prior to this. WCW, bro. 97, y'all had it going on. Yep. In 98, nothing. Because y'all, <laughs> this is, oh my God. This was not a good match. No. Between two icons of the business. Two guys who have had classic matches. Sting was the man in 97. He's arguably the top wrestler in wrestling in 1997 without without like having like one match <laughs> like the whole year, <laughs> right? Bret Hart was in that top five stratosphere in 1997, yeah. yep. and then here they are a year later, 1998, and it just in this random U.S. title match where again it you got Sting in the red and black face paint because he's in the NWO. Less than a year after systematically destroying the NWO, he's in it. <laughs> An offshoot, but he's in it. And he's got the red and black face paint with the goatee. It's just, what the hell? What happened? It just. A fan, fan with a sign in the crowd saying the Scorpion. Come on. S C O R I P I A N. That made me angry. The Hitman versus then you the got Scorpion. The Scorpion. Scripian. Then you got Bret Hart, who again got screwed over at the end of 1997. What does WCW do? Eventually, make him a heel and put him in the NWO. What the hell? <laughs> Why? The only the best. Then you get the whole match. One, I put the show is boring. <laughs> not not necessarily specifically this match. Just the show. It just lacked juice. There just wasn't the energy. From 97, it obviously didn't carry over to 98. It's a year apart, but still, like, it's just, it's like the, the energy and the buzz around it was just different for the whole show. Not just Goldberg, who had the juice. He had, yeah. all, but the problem was he had all the juice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And no one else had any other juice. And that's including Bret Hart and Sting. Uh, they had some stuff. Uh, they did some stuff, obviously. The ref gets knocked down and he's just laying in the ring. <laughs> And they don't, he doesn't move. So they're just hopping over him while they're trying to wrestle this match. <laughs> As if it's like a dead body in the ring. <laughs> then they superplex well, each other uh, onto yeah. his ankles. Yeah, that had to hurt. <laughs> Brother, you got to move. You got to like, roll just, somewhere. Yeah, roll to the side. Like, But even if you're the wrestlers, don't you got to like be like, okay, we got to move you if you're not going to move. <laughs> like, <laughs> they, they just decided to hop over like, him. Really? For Sting so, and Bret Hart to just let, yeah, that they they have some blame here too. It's just so super weird. Eventually, Sting hits a Stinger splash, but he overshoots it, hits his face in the ring post. <laughs> Bret Hart beats the hell out of him with the baseball bat, puts him in a sharpshooter, wins. Yeah, I, I don't. There you go. I really think that. The whole Scorpion Deathlock versus Starpshooter should have been like more of a thing. I don't know. They didn't really. The Sting talk. didn't even put in the Scorpion Deathlock, did he? I don't think so. But even when he did it to Hogan at Starcade, you know, he pointed at Bret Hart when he was out there, and they didn't really. I don't know. I always thought they would do something with that. They never did, and it just still annoys me because like it's the same move. Let's go, like Battle of the Sharpshooter versus Scorpion Deathlock. You know, I, I, Scorpion Deathlock, man. I don't know. I, I thought that was something in 1998 I would have wanted to see because, you know, Sting was popular. Bret Hart was Bret Hart. I don't really know if he was technically popular in WCW because 
his whole run there was trash, but um, <laughs> and, no offense, like he's one of my favorites ever. But uh, I think he would agree with you on that. I don't think yeah. he would uh, disagree <laughs> he with would. that. He would. Uh, but I, 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 kind of mad that I laughed at this. But Bobby Heenan, do you hear what he said when Bret Hart revived the referee? <laughs> I didn't ask. Uh, what did he say? <laughs> The referee was looking dazed and confused. Tony Schiavone said so. Bobby Heenan said, "It looks like he's been hanging with Scott Hall for a week." Wow. They were. He was also making some jokes about Scott Hall during the Scott Hall match. He yeah. said, "Oh, that's a sobering outcome." It's like, "Oh, come on, <laughs> Bobby, killing me." You are making me go to hell because I'm laughing. <laughs> that's like, terrible. Damn it. <laughs> but th- this match, it was just a missed opportunity, given yeah. all the talent involved. Yeah. And in WCW fashion, uh, they had to overbook over it. They had to bring yeah. the, the referee gets knocked down. How many ref bumps did we see on this show? Oh, my God. I lost count. I feel like we saw like four or five of them. Um, and then the baseball bat thing. It's just like this thing gets stretched out. That took like 10 minutes yeah. by itself. It's like they yeah. showed him get, get put all the way into the ambulance. It's like we didn't have to see all. Like, <laughs> no wonder y'all ran over. <laughs> <laughs> I really I don't think. understand. I. I I wonder if they didn't just do that because uh, that was his last match. Uh, he didn't come. That was la- that was Sting's last match in the red and black. He didn't come back until April '99 after this. So, oh uh, man, yeah, that was. You know, he had way too many matches in the red and black. He looked terrible in it. And <laughs> what's funny is I did make a note of this before he joined the Wolf Pack. You know, he was still wearing the white and black or whatever. And I'm sitting here, and I'm like, you know, I'm between the two NWOs. I don't care about WCW, like, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, Sting, join the Wolfpack. Like, you would look badass in red and black. And then it happened. And then I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I I was wrong. He looks terrible. (laughs) He looks absolutely terrible. Stop this. And then he came when he came back in April 99, he he was back in the white and black. And I was like, oh, thank God. (laughs) They... It, it's man, they just like I said. I hate to repeat myself, but they lost their way in so many ways. Uh, in '98, it's ridiculous, including the next match. Mm. Here we Mm-mm-mm. go. Here we are. Hulk Hogan versus the Warrior with ultimate in parentheses. Um, <laughs> <laughs> where do we begin with this match? Number one. We could begin at the end. We could, but the fans did not care for this match at all. There was no heat in the building at all. And I wonder why. Maybe it's because it's a match that happened eight years ago in another company when both of these guys were in their just like popularity and physical peaks. And their style of wrestling had pretty much died out by 98. But here we are in 1998, and they're obviously older, way more tanned, and they're in the <laughs> ring doing the test of the feet of strength or whatever, the test of strength for like 10 yeah. minutes. Yeah. And you wonder why the people tuned out. People were just like, oh, okay. So Hulk Hogan's pretty strong, huh? All right. Okay. So, so, Warrior was 38 here, and he didn't even look in good no. shape. He, like, his I mean, body's obviously for, better than mine, but... He's oh he, he, looked, he looked older than thirty eight though yeah yes yeah like back like Hogan was like forty five yeah yeah I think like AJ Styles like 
early 40s right now. He looks no older than like 33, 34. Right, right, <laughs> like right. <laughs> 45 today looks much different than 45 in 1998, especially for Hulk Hogan. He looked like an old man. He wasn't even 50 yet, though, I don't think. Uh-huh. Something like that in 1998. I can look it up real quick, no, but I don't think he was 50 years he old. He turned yet. 45 in 97 because I remember reading like a newspaper article uh, about Road Wild 97 or something like that. And it was like Hogan turns 45 like a week of. So he turned he, 45 in 98. He turned. He's born in August 1953. 53. So, so okay. Well, that's yeah. weird. Maybe that's fake. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just remember he had a, he, his birthdays around the same time as my mom's. So uh, around World Wild 97 was his birthday. So uh, yeah, he was definitely in the mid mid 40s here, and looked great. <laughs> he looked. He was in great shape. Yeah. But- he couldn't move around like right, that. Like again, right, like yeah, it just wasn't the same. And it, the people weren't w- trying to watch the match they had in 1990. The right. juice wasn't there because people got to remember that match was massive. And I, I'd explained to my girlfriend because she was watching it with me. At least this particular match, uh, she had joined me uh, after she got off of work, and I had explained to her like, yeah, this match is a, a rematch. And Shivani said it. It's like the biggest rematch in wrestling history. And he's partially right because. The first one was an epic encounter. It was the first time two baby faces went at it in the main event of WrestleMania. And they would split the audience down the middle. They were a bunch of Hulkamaniacs. They were a bunch of warriors. And they they, they were, you know, deep. Like, they they were passionate about their guy. Of course, the third man, Brian Isley, you know, said <laughs> many times, if you went to the wrong side of the schoolyard... You could get beat up if you were a Hogan, a Hulkamaniac, and you went to the, the to the warrior side of the schoolyard. That could be that could ruin your day, and vice versa. So it was that serious, and it was WrestleMania. It's in the stadium, 70,000 some odd people in Toronto. It's WrestleMania six. I mean, it doesn't get much bigger than that. WWF was still rolling hot in nineteen ninety. Here we are, nineteen ninety eight, when the MGM Grand, a smaller venue, but it's Halloween Havoc. It's not even Starcade. Uh, and these guys are eight years older, and no one just no one cared. The angle leading in was bad, with the whole warrior suddenly supernatural, you know, scaring Hulk Hogan in mirrors and stuff like that. It, it just it was like it was trash. It was just trash. And the match that ensued was also trash. I mean, that's pretty much it. They were yeah. doing crisscrosses at one point. What the hell? <sighs> They were it's trying to do a lot of shit from their previous match. It just that no one cared for. It's no. not like they, they didn't even try to really do the nostalgia thing. I could see maybe Mm-mm. people could have bought in if it was red and yellow Hogan versus yeah. like old school Warrior. It just wasn't. It was black and white NWO Hollywood Hulk Hogan against the Warrior, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. who didn't have quite the same energy and the same juice he had in 1990 where he would run to the ring and mm. he was just a ball of fire and look say what you want about warrior person the person you know he wasn't the greatest person in the world but as a talent he was super over was he great physically talented like is he great in the ring no but he was super over and it's because he had a lot of energy he had a great look he just kept he just never stopped it seemed like and in this match, this was slow. This was prodding. They just didn't have any energy to it. Just no one was feeling this at all, man. And we had another ref bump. 
of course, when Hogan knocks the ref down and then just knees him yeah. in, the, in the head. <laughs> Bret the Hart hell? did the same thing, by the way. Uh, Sting, that moment in the Bret Hart Sting match when Sting's on the apron and he thinks it's Bret Hart and he elbows him, and but it's the referee and he knocks him out. Bret Hart comes around and just drops a leg drop on the ref to knock him out further. It's like, what? What? <laughs> That's two matches in a row. Uh, yeah. You get the referee knocked out. Same down. thing. You know, where the same the heel, thing. they get knocked down, then the heel goes and knocks him down again or <laughs> further knocks punishment him, or something like that. Even you know? further into unconsciousness. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, I just, I don't, I don't know, man. It was, was really bad. It was bad. And then with the giant coming out and then Stevie Ray coming out and Vincent coming out and then they just leave. Right? <laughs> That's my girlfriend's like, she's like, where do they go? <laughs> I was like, they, they got a punch from Warren. It's like, we forget this. We ain't messing with him no There's more. There's a camera angle, like a little, like seconds after that, that you see the entranceway, and you can see Stevie Ray and Vincent just leaving. Like <laughs> Stevie Ray is looking like, why did he just punch me in my head and then leaves? <laughs> I thought the match was over, man. I'm out. What the hell? Even before that, though, <laughs> Hogan takes off his weight belt. And is hitting yeah. Warrior with it. Yeah, really bad. Like it, like it. That looked like it hurt. But in almost any normal circumstances, that's disqualification. <laughs> True. But Shivani is always trying to plug holes in these yeah. inconsistencies. My man Tony, bless his heart, Tony Shivani is always trying. He says, "Well, you know, it's because if it's if it's part of his wrestling attire." <laughs> it's not considered a foreign object and it's been debated in boardrooms for years it's like <laughs> what the hell <laughs> so it's not uh, illegal because of that and it's like it's is just not, if it's not a weapon they wouldn't use it <laughs> like <laughs> like what if a gun wasn't potentially fatal if it didn't cause harm no one would use guns <laughs> like <laughs> like what what's, what yeah so that was a thing. Then we get to the fireball spot. Yes. Oh yeah. We get to the fireball now, spot. Now I saw this before the pay per view went off too, and I was like, "What the hell?" <laughs> so I had to order. I had NWO comes down. They get beat up by Warren and leave. Then Hogan uses the weight belt. Then we get the fireball spot. Now usually. The fireball spot comes out of nowhere and it's very sudden. Boom, you see it and it's done. With the exception of uh, what was that? Undertaker, Undertaker and Mankind, yeah. And Paul right. Burr, when yeah. they failed at doing it very suddenly, um, but they still had to do it. So, ho- so Undertaker just held it out and was like, here it is. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a mistake. Yeah. But at least he executed the fireball spot after he like gave away the illusion. Right, right. Which, as you saw was like some some paper that's like soaked in gasoline something like that i don't know and it's a lighter you take to it boom and it's a fire that shoots out i guess wcw they they wanted everybody to know that hogan was about to cheat that's the only explanation i have because hogan drops down and pulls the tools out of his tights for the (laughs) fireball all the tools to get the get the <laughs> the ziploc bag. He's got the paper. He's got the lighter. He's ready to do this. And I guess again, they ran right up to him and shoot it. So there's no mistaking what Hogan is about to do. 
Okay, everybody in the world can see this. Unless the pay-per-view cut out, then you didn't see anything. <laughs> He's trying to get this fireball to work. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Maybe because he was dripping sweat. Because you see the sweat from his forehead dripping down on the mat. And he's soaking this mat. And it doesn't work at all. He The fireball shoots up and it's just like... And it just dies immediately. It goes nowhere near Ultimate Warrior's face. Warrior just goes, huh, what? Okay, um... I guess I got to punch you some more. <laughs> like, like, and that's it. Yeah. What the hell? No more. Bobby uh. Heenan and Shivani and Tanay try to, again, patch it up the holes here. Trying to make it, trying to make it look as nice as possible. Trying to put a silk head on a pig. Heenan goes, he was going to burn that man. <laughs> And somebody, it could have been tragic. Like this it was a tragedy waiting, waiting to happen. It's like, bruh, y'all tried. I appreciate your effort, but <laughs> just no, no, no. Then it gets worse. He's he's bleeding, Hogan, right? Did somebody's make, bleeding. Did that make him bleed, or was it something before that? I don't. I don't know, man. Because he, he was, was laying, he though. was laying on the mat, and like, yeah, blood all over his face, and I'm like, did yeah. I, don't, I didn't see that before the fire spot. Maybe I just don't wasn't listening. Maybe I just wasn't watching closely, but I don't know. But eventually, Hulk Hogan just says, "Screw it," and just low blows Ultimate Warrior right in front of the referee. <laughs> what does the referee do? <laughs> Nothing. Not... <laughs> what? This is no disqualification. I didn't by, know by, that. By the way, the, uh, the pay per view for me was out by this point, so I didn't see any of this uh, on that night. <laughs> so maybe it was a blessing because I remember. Oh, it was. I remember being pissed and wanting to see it, and then I actually <laughs> saw it, and I was like, maybe I should never have wanted that. Uh, 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 uh. Man, he low blows him, then Horace Hogan comes down. Of course, that's Hulk Hogan's. Supposed nephew to his not just his brother but his dead brother. Yeah. They emphasize that a lot. Yeah. Jumps in the ring with a chair. Bischoff is there too. He just grabs the referee and puts him in a headlock for like ten oh, minutes. Oh my gosh. Gave him a noogie and everything. I saw it. <laughs> I synced it. Which is again, that doesn't warrant disqualification. What the hell is no. that? He just grabbed the referee and put no. him in a headlock. Then he, I don't get that. What happened just talking to him? Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, hey, what are you doing this weekend? Uh, what are you doing next weekend? Did you hit the craps? Uh, like that type of stuff. Come on. Right. Did you hit the casino up? Did you get some drinks? Let's get some drinks after the show. No, <laughs> instead. I just wanted to talk- see what you were doing after the show. <laughs> right. Bischoff comes down and goes, hiya, and grips him up and headlocks him. I was like, what? Ugh. And then Horace Hogan, because everybody thought, I, then they said after the match, I could have swore Horace was going to hit Hogan with the chair. Fooled me. He hits ultimate, he hits Warrior with the chair. And um, <laughs> as soon as that happens, Bischoff just suddenly lets the referee go and puts his hands up like, what? What? I didn't do anything. <laughs> Bruh, you just had him in a headlock for like five minutes. You can't put your hands up now and be like, I didn't do anything. What? <laughs> 
And the referee just goes, oh, okay, stay over there. All right. Oh, a pin. One, two, three. Okay, I did my job. What? Yeah. Then it gets worse. <laughs> it does. Somehow it gets worse because Hogan is so, he hates Warriors so much. He instructs Horace Hogan to get lighter fluid. And he gets a lighter fluid and soaks Ultimate Warrior with a lighter fluid. In an attempt to set this man literally on fire. Like, this fireball didn't work. Well, guess what? <laughs> Forget the fireball. We're going to set him on fire for real. We're going to set his whole body on fire. And the referee stopped it, thankfully. Because Hulk Hogan and Horace Hogan would have committed arson <laughs> in front of thousands of people. Doug Dillinger was like, hell no. Right, that's what it was. Doug Dillinger, yeah. <laughs> It's like what? And Bischoff is like, "Hey, you work for me. Like, I'm not letting you set this man on fire, bro. <laughs> yeah, like you work for me. Let let us set him on fire. Come on, man. Like, bro, like in reality, for one, you're committing murder. <laughs> Two, lawsuit. The company shut down. Yeah, right. That's it. <laughs> Ultimate Warrior's wife or whoever at that who she was at that point about to own WCW. <laughs> <laughs> so. This just doesn't make any sense. It's stupid. Like I said, the man of a fire in the ring. Unless you're Kane and the Undertaker, no one wants to see somebody get yeah, set on right, fire. Right. Because <laughs> like, WWF for sure did an Inferno match like a month before this, right? <laughs> yeah, they did. Uh, what was there? I think it was in, uh, well, a few months before this. It was right. At, it was after WrestleMania, I think, right? Undertaker and Kane. At, at it was Unf- Unforgiven right? or something like that. Yeah, it wasn't that, September at that point. Yeah, that, it was that uh, year, April. Yeah, that year was the first Unforgiven. So, yeah, it was like right after WrestleMania. So, so it was yeah, like it was a few April. months before, but still, like, yeah, this isn't a uh, NWO gimmick. It's no, a, again, <laughs> nobody we'll in WCW, not even a Sting gimmick. Like, what is going on here? We'll give Undertaker and Kane some leeway since they already shoot lightning out of their hands and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Like, we'll, we'll let them, we'll give them, plus the story was told expertly well. Um, so people cared yeah. and we knew that the whole body wasn't going to set on fire. It's like a limb <laughs> like, <laughs> and then they get put out immediately. Yeah. So try to set this whole man's body on fire. You know, you know what is funny when, when that Inferno match, I expected like the whole body to go up in flames. So when it was just Kane's arm, I was like, well, that's lame. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to see somebody burn up. Yeah, man. I want to see flesh melt from this man's bones. That's what I wanted to see. <laughs> Uh, 1998 Nick. He's quite a hoot. Oh, yeah, he was. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see whole body set on fire, baby. Let's do it. <laughs> Arson! <laughs> not here, though. So, not here. I did not want to see the... I don't even was... know they did that because I don't even think they showed that on the Nitro. <laughs> they might have shown like the ending of the main event, but they definitely showed Goldberg DDP, but I don't even remember seeing that. Until it was on like the network and whatnot, so it's like it's I thought so it was bad. like the dumbest. I was like, wait, this actually happened? Like what? It's so bad we can't air. It's so graphic. You're about yeah. to set a man on fire. Like, I'm pretty sure the TV stations are like, let's not right, air right, that part of it because right, right. <laughs> that's kind of wild. You, they try to set a man on fire twice, by the way. <laughs> like <laughs> that was the second time y'all did it. The most blatant time y'all did it. But the first time you had to set his face on fire with a fireball. Yeah. And that wasn't the most surprising part of this match for me. Do you want to know what the most surprising part of this match for me was? What was that? 
There was no Michael Buffer introductions. Look, that's for the better. Michael Buffer is above this. This trash. <laughs> He's above this. He's you're not you're not paying for Michael Buffer, just waste him. <laughs> you're not paying all that money. Even Michael Buffer's like, no, I'm not doing that. Mm-mm. Uh, oh, you don't. Man, you don't think so he he had some stake in Hogan Warrior? Like, oh man, that's that's he the didn't match. Rat's ass. He <laughs> wanted to get paid, but it's just like, man, the fans got screwed out of screwed the biggest at the end of the day because this is the match they saw instead of the next match, which got cut off on a lot of pay per view systems for well, the World Heavyweight Championship. Goldberg coming in with a record of 154 and 0. <laughs> That's absurd. <laughs> Going against DDP, Diamond Dallas Page, with Michael Buffer, of course, doing the ring announcing because WCW is the main event. It wouldn't be right if Michael Buffer wasn't there. Like, he <laughs> has to be there. And it's Las Vegas, too. He's got to be there. Yeah. Um, But people missed out on this match, and it was fantastic. From the start, you had. Goldberg's entrance, which was probably the one of the dopest entrances uh, in wrestling history. Like, I agree. I this particular one yeah. was just perfect, and he's, him walking out with the security. I don't know how many times he banged his head on the door. <laughs> That's not good. But walking through with the cops, and I don't understand the point of the cops. Still don't understand the point of the cops. I don't think they even do the cops in WWE today. I think they just show him walking, yeah, uh, to the ring. But it just added something that wasn't you didn't typically see. Right. And that's, I think, that was the whole point of that. And I remember hating it because it was so awesome. And WWE, <laughs> WCW was doing something that was awesome. And I was like, damn it. It was, it was dope. It was <laughs> yeah, dope. Definitely the best Goldberg entrance I've ever seen. Uh, I tweeted earlier today, and someone had replied to uh, my tweet about doing the Havoc 98 deep dive. And it's funny because that tweet response to me just said one of Goldberg's best entrances ever like to the point I was like oh my god I said I said that in my notes I was like this was in my like my favorite Goldberg entrance ever WCW WWE whatever like this is my favorite Goldberg entrance ever if you go look at one of Goldberg's epic entrances it has to be this one this is it yeah it was it was great then he walks through the tunnel you can see like him walking up to the Halloween Havoc tunnel yep. with the, the arena in the distance and you see him walking through the darkness and he emerges around the pumpkin and then you hear all the noise, see all the lights and then the pyro goes off and it's just crazy pyro. Then the smoke, boom, boom, boom. And then the fireworks, bam, 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 bam. And then the cops come back out. He walks through. It was dope. It was like, man, that's, that's a champ right there, boy. And then proceeded to probably have his best match of his career. Yeah. Like even to this day, probably Goldberg's best match him and Goldberg because him and DDP I should say because DDP wasn't really like a super heavyweight like Goldberg was but he had that finishing move he had the diamond cutter and like we said last week diamond cutter before the spear and the jackhammer diamond cutter was the move in wrestling and and WCW to their credit still kept that move very strong through 98 and he just was always like one step ahead of Goldberg in a lot of different ways and I thought the story they told worked out very well. And the people were into this. That's the most important part to me. 
The fans were in, they were invested in the outcome of the match. Unlike the Hogan Warrior stuff, which, yeah, there were bigger names maybe. But you see what people were into. They were into the the newer stars. I think this was evidenced by it. The evidence was in, you could just listen to the crowd and see it in Vegas. They were, they they didn't care about Hogan Warrior. Hell, they barely cared about Nash and Hall. But they cared about these newer guys. And DDP wasn't necessarily a young guy, but he was a newer guy. Right? DDP and Goldberg, fresh faces, over characters. And they told a great story in the ring. People were hella into it. When DDP hit the diamond cutter, the place erupted. Hell, when Goldberg hit the spear, the first spear, the place erupted. Like, it was it was dope. Like, it was great. Yeah, you said it. Uh, one of my favorite Goldberg matches ever. And if not his best match, definitely up there. Uh, the entrance, everything. Even DDP's entrance was pretty cool. You know, he, he runs all around. You know, it's his first real pay-per-view main event. Uh for the title, you know, he he made event of pay per views with Randy Savage in '97, but up to this point, you know, '98, he wasn't really. He was kind of like I don't want to say lost his way, but like he, he did the thing with Carl Malone, Bash at the Beach, '97 or uh, August '98 with Jay Leno at Road Wild. You know, like he he that's what he was involved in. This was his like first big title match, pay per view main event. Again, against Goldberg too, a guy that was not known for his in-ring, you know, prowess or ability. So it was probably a tough task for someone like DDP to be like, "Hey, like, let's go out there, do this, do that, whatever." And it turned out to be one of the best matches. Maybe not the best match in DDP's career, but I, I think he deserves a ton of credit for, for this one, and definitely among the best in his career. Definitely Goldberg's best match. I thought it was awesome. I I did not appreciate this back in 1998 i did not appreciate it when they showed it on nitro i was kind of laughing i was like wow what a bunch of losers like you know because i was still in that wwf mark stage where you know i picked a side and that that's what i did but uh i just did not appreciate it back then and i appreciate it now yeah you can't help but appreciate it now when goldberg hits a spear they still protected it by yeah. him, or his arm is hurt, so he can't cover right, right away. Right, yeah. And he never even went for a cover. He tried to go for the jackhammer. Yeah. And then didn't hit the jackhammer because DDP reversed it, hit yeah, the diamond cutter. Diamond boom. Cutter, yeah. But they protected the diamond cutter by him not covering right away, but he eventually does go for the, the cover. Goldberg kicks out. And then eventually, DDP tries to hit suplex. Goldberg reverses into the jackhammer. One, two, three, it's over. So, uh, again, it's just simple. And it, it, it all works when you got people involved that are over the people that they're, they're into it, they're into the characters, they're into the wrestlers, and you can tell a simple story. Goldberg, like you said, isn't a Mac technician. He's not going to go out there and have the proverbial five star classics, but you can still have a great match with him and DDP. With just sim- simplicity. This wasn't that hard. This wasn't super nuanced and all this and that. I mean, yeah, you, there's nuances in the fact that they didn't they protected their finishers. You know, the, I don't know if the layman would probably recognize that, but people like us who, you know, we, we listen to all the what the wrestlers tell us and the little things that they, we've been learned over the years, we recognize that. But it's just, it's, it's very simple and it's well done. And they didn't have to overbook it. No ref bumps, no interference. And guess what? The people were hooting and hollering and they loved it. It was a great way to end the show, at least in the building. <laughs> they appreciated that. Uh, the people at home, 
We're on the phone, I'm sure, with the cable companies by this yeah. point. Yeah. Still on a hold, going <laughs> ready to cut somebody out when they finally got to somebody. <laughs> and you know what? Goddamn, I missed my goddamn finish. Blah, 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 blah. Like, oh, the going ham. And I don't blame you. I'm sure your mom was upset oh, when boy. that and feed cut I, out. I was also so confused because I didn't know there were, like, different cable companies throughout the world and throughout the U.S. So I thought, like, nobody saw it. But then, you know, they came back and they they said some people didn't see it and, like, others did. And I was so confused. I'm like, wait a second. You mean other people, other cable providers didn't cut the pay-per-view out? What the hell? I want their – I want whatever they are. Uh, but they were, you know, scattered throughout. I'm sure the Northeast uh, was about to become a monopoly at that point. I don't even remember my cable provider at that point. It might have been, like, Suburban Cable or something like that. I don't think we were on Comcast yet. I don't even think it was available yet, but yeah, I just remember being confused that some people saw the whole pay-per-view and other people didn't, and I was one of the people that didn't get to see it, so I was pissed. Because like we talked about on the uh, the Lex Luger episode, when they had, you know, the different cable systems back in the day, you, there's a bunch of them back in the day. Yeah. Well, now there's only like three or four. Yeah. <laughs> there aren't that yeah. many now. There's conglomerates now. Yeah. So... In the 90s, like I said, you had a bunch of them. You had a couple in Philly. Well, now it's like you either got Comcast, you had Xfinity, or you have Verizon. And that's pretty much it. Yep. Uh, well, back in the day, you had like four or five or six or seven. And like, there's a bunch. Like you said, you had Suburban Cable. Or I, mm. I had Pop Vision or whatever it was. Oh, wow. But regardless, um, you know, the feed cut out and some people saw it and a lot of people didn't. <laughs> so, uh, but that is Halloween Havoc 1998. Eight. Uh, so, Nick, yeah, let's wrap it up let's. and take us out with some plugs, please. We hope you have enjoyed our latest deep dive on Halloween Havoc 98, and you can follow us at Shooters Radio on Twitter. Follow me at Nick Bacone on Twitter, and we're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Shooters Radio. You could also follow me at phillyinfluencer.com, phillyvoice.com. And make sure you listen to the Rodney McLeod Show every Tuesday night during the NFL season at 6 p.m. on Fox Sports The Gambler, iHeartRadio. Download the app. I am at Vaughn M. Johnson on Twitter. Check me out there. If you can't check me out there, check me out in in the streets. But, you know, I'm not really in the streets too much because, of course, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. But also check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash shootersradio. If you want us to do a deep dive of a, ch- a show of your choosing well hit us up on patreon and we will do a deep dive on that show if you want us to talk about wrestlemania 17 or SummerSlam 95 or an awa show whatever it may be as long as we can you know have access to it uh if you have a request for a deep dive that you want us to do feel free to hit us up on patreon uh pay the nominal fee of 199 per month uh, it's a very obviously a small price to pay for some great quality content in these deep dives. So again, if you have any requests, head over to patreon.com slash shooters radio and let us know and we will gladly fulfill your requests. For Nick McCone, I am Vaughn Johnson. Thanks for listening to episode 255 of the Straight Shooters and we'll catch y'all again next week. Peace. <laughs>